What's up, everybody? This is episode 113 of Cool Down Time. This is a weekly show where two longtime friends cool down and talk about video games. I'm your graphically impressive host, Marco, and joining me is the technical mess of the show, Pablo. Pablo, first and foremost, uh, happy Father's Day to you and to all the dads out there listening to our show. Uh, how you doing, man? What's going on with you? Man, everything is going well, but Marco, happy Father's Day to you as well. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, everything is going great. I mean, you know, uh, we'll always open the show. We, we got some shit to say about our lives, and it's usually just two old men screaming at clouds and complaining about uh, nasal, nasal congestion <laughs> or some kind of uh, <laughs> shit that you're child is done like literally on the floor or something uh but this this time around uh nope that's no different uh my child is sick i am getting a little congested uh had a the weekend off so that's good uh was able to get back into a specific game that i'll talk about here a little later and thank god i did uh just a little teaser but everything else man is going pretty good some things are going on in life some some changing of of, of some personal kind of job stuff that's happening all for the good, all for the better, uh, and so it's all it's all good. It's all coming together. Only took thirty seven years uh, <laughs> uh, for that to happen, so it's good. How about you, man? How, how's everything going? Yeah, pretty solid, man. Uh, obviously, Father's Day was uh, a good time. Got a chance to spend some time with the kiddo. Had a good experience with her. Uh, they had a little arts and crafts thing they made at her daycare where. Um, it's like a picture that says my dad rocks and then around it was like a frame of like little rocks that they did as like an arts oh, and crafts great. little thing man when she when she handed that over to me she thought she dropped the biggest heat of all time Dude. she's like when you open this daddy you're not ready <laughs> you're not ready so you know when you're a dad you get those little gifts from you, yeah. you, you got to go over the top with the reaction so i did the like run around the room and act the fool kind of thing so she was real happy about that reaction so i i, That's I must funny say i'm pretty good at being you know over the top as, as i'm learning oh we know it's uh <laughs> but it's funny because my, my son obviously he's much younger than your daughter but he's only my my kids only a year and, and a couple of months but for you know, and he's he knows dada, he knows words, but today, for whatever reason, he gave me in daycare. They put the handprints oh, and the, the footprints, hand happy father's day. And he came with that thing in hand, dada, 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 dada. And I was like, looked over, and he just gave me something. And he was like, and he clapped. I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yep, I Thank knew it was you. coming. Thank you so much. This is beautiful. I was like, <laughs> okay. oh man, this I don't know no why when you got that, you turned into Doc Rivers. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was calling the plays off the court, but no, this, and then like, and then like the whole day he's been like all about data, which is like, it's funny cause it's, you know, Father's Day, Time, but it's yeah. like, he knows, he knows it's in, something's in the air. So he's just been like attached to me. So it's actually been pretty good right. um, on that front as well. Right. That's hilarious, man. Daddy rocks with the frame. Racks. Oh man, man. I got that on the, I got that on the fridge right now. The fridge is getting stacked with all of her little yeah. arts and crafts. This girl can color. I don't know That's what good. happened, but man, she was the scribble queen for a while, and now she's all <laughs> in the lines now. 
She's like, Daddy, don't don't touch that. Don't I don't want you coloring with oh, no. me right now. I'm so oh You know they get really good when they start highlighting the outside. Oh, darker, she's doing that right now, the, man. Oh, oh my god, Elsa's getting the business that's, with the with the with the outline tracer on her hair. Oh man. Look, oh, this is what no, we got on here level. to talk I, about, ladies and gentlemen. Elsa. Man. I learned that when I was 14, dog. I was like, oh, you can insensuate the pictures by <laughs> you, you destroyed yeah, that well, word, I by the way. Also, I mean, I was, since I was 14, so I was also accentuating by accentuating All right. the penis that I was drawing on my Trapper Keeper. Oh, you were that kid. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense for you. Uh, that tracks. Because you were a dick. Uh, <laughs> so let's go ahead and get into the show uh, this week, Pablo. Go ahead and tell the people what we got in the docket uh, this time around, if you don't mind. Yeah, I mean, in this episode, we got our first early taste of Final Fantasy 16, and we got some thoughts. Marco got things he has to get off his chest about Diablo 4. We mourn Titanfall 3. 3. Ubisoft forward brought some heat. Is Phil Spencer a liar? Mm-hmm. And the FPS debate obviously rages on. And to wrap it all up, we give you our individual top 10 video game franchises of all time and much, much more, all in between silliness, dumbness, just all everything you expect from us. I like how you said dumbness, place. like that was a real word. That, that you just no, it's goodness, irony, man. It's, it's greatness. Uh, I'm saying good words. <laughs> the words are the best. No, I'm just kidding. Can't stand you, man. All right, let's Is this go. Me having a stroke. <laughs> it's a valid question sometimes. All right. Let's go ahead and jump into the first segment of the show, Pablo, which is dedicated to the games that we have been playing since our lovely listeners last heard from us. We call that loadouts. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. All right, man. So we have one of the more interesting, uh, eclectic little array of games between the two of us on loadouts this week. So this is going to be an interesting one to unpack for sure. But let's start with a little update about Diablo 4 here. Um, Pablo... You know, one of the reasons why I think it's cool to, you know, um, check back with our listeners about how we're doing with certain games week over week is because it's, it becomes kind of a saga in and of itself. And it does. There's peaks and valleys and there's weird moments, there's awesome moments, and people can kind of come along for the journey and see how we're experiencing the game. Diablo 4 is an interesting example of that in, in how, for me personally... I've kind of fallen out of love with this game a good amount since we last talked uh, about it. And it's it, what's what's weird to me is that it's not through any fault of its own in terms of its gameplay, in terms of its formula. I, I'm a Diablo fan. I know what Diablo is. This is not my first trip right. to that uh, rodeo. So I'm not going against the game because of anything that just makes it innately Diablo. But what's been bothering me in particular about Diablo 4 is... It's a game that has is has really lacked meaningful moments for me. Um, I think that goes narratively, uh, for starters. I think this game's storytelling to me it starts off really strong. It starts off it with does. a really good premise. The, the the prologue is really solid. You get a feel for. Um, you start feeling like your character is going to be like really integrated into the narrative, and that there's a big setup here, and then it just kind of gradually settles back down to typical Diablo storytelling, which to me can get um, a little slow and sluggish at times. The problem with 4, though, is that it's so it's so droning and it's so depressing at times that this game just never has any like 
emotion to it, any range to it at all. It's all very bleak. It's all very dark, gloomy, and sad, and downtrodden. And, and that's just kind of all you get. And then, you know, the Lilith story and kind of what's going on with her. A lot of this story is, is basically a tale of sort of retracing her footsteps and always being a few steps behind her. Yeah. And I think that can get a little bit irritating as time goes on, too, because you're really stuck with a lot of side characters that are not very interesting at all. Um, what note? And yeah, very one note. Um, and and I know a lot of Diablo fans are gonna be like, we don't play Diablo for the story, and I get it. It's a very end game type of experience. I totally understand that, but it's just making this game's um, single player very very sluggish and very uninteresting to me. And then the second part of it is moments in terms of gameplay. Um, I think the one thing that I will fault Diablo for 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 not doing particularly well, in my opinion, is that. Unlike other Diablos where I felt like battles felt unique and different each time around, I feel like I'm playing every encounter the exact same way. Yeah. The big boss fights, the elites or whatever you call, I play them the same way as I play the next one and the next one and the next one, you know, uh, the, the, the skirmishes with like the regular enemies. I play those the exact same way every time. And that can be addicting and fun when it comes to loot and, you know leveling and abilities you're unlocking and piecing together your build but i just think that the 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 moment to moment gameplay for me is starting to get very stagnant it just feels Mm -hmm. like i'm doing the same thing in every encounter so my brain mentally is like i can't tell hour five from hour ten it just feels like other than like i said the abilities you get and how your build evolves it's it's just the same kind of experience all the time and I think that Diablo 3, to me, didn't have as much of that problem. Uh, neither did Diablo 2. But um, So I, I have to say, I'm, I'm, I backed off the game. I don't know if I'm done for good, but I feel like I was forcing the issue after a while, trying to make myself play more of it. And I never liked doing that to myself, so I'm, I, I decided yeah. to stop and focus on other stuff that I'll talk about in a second here. But uh, real quick, how are you feeling about it? Maybe you're having a different feel than, than, than I am. Uh, yeah, it's it difficult to, to, to kind of say because I feel like I have definitely have cooled off on it a little bit. Uh, not too much. I'm still playing it. Uh, I'm not and I've already said this, I feel like I feel like I like the vibe of the story in terms of what it's trying to tell you, but I have no I still have no idea what's happening yeah. in terms of like other than retracing your steps, trying to stop her, obviously. But it just feels like I'm uh, I'm I'm chasing my own tail a lot of the times when it comes to the story itself. That's very However, true. I, I think I think it's it's just there's something about my specific build that is is like incredibly interesting to me and that's where my addiction still lies is trying to perfect that build so that's why I'm still kind of all into it. I am running into some specific things with obviously all the loot gathering. There are certain things that I have on armor that gives me a certain um, advantage in, in in certain abilities that if I want to switch that off with a d- different armor set, I lose those advantages in a very significant way to the point where I have inc- I have a whole new I have a whole new um, move set that is attached to this armor as soon as I take that off for something else I lose that entire kind of uh, strategy that I'm playing like so those little things are a little frustrating and it's just kind of the 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 just putting the, the the character together perfectly, and that that those intricacies and that amount of detail is something that Diablo fans absolutely love. And as a 
new fan to Diablo. It's something that I am not necessarily in love with. So that is pushing me back a little bit as well. But other than that, everything you said is poignant. I think it's it's it makes a lot of sense. And it's one of the reasons why I went back to Jedi Survivors because I was kind of missing a a a narrative uh, game where I felt like the story was going places rather than feeling a little stagnant in terms of like where I was. Because I feel like the biggest revelation in that story happened about six or seven hours ago and I'm still, you know, <laughs> doing things like, oh, meeting this guy's friends in order to do, get into that next part of the story, which just feels a little bit kind of like, ugh, yeah. doesn't feel like I'm doing anything story-wise. So, but yeah, other than that, I am still playing it for, for those reasons. Uh, but I, I, I plan to beat it. I think I'm, I'm, I'm not that far away from doing that. And I, I plan to do that. I don't know what my, my the legs are going to be on this in terms of season one and, and, and yeah, those in that yeah. content. I don't, that's the thing that I'm kind of like, because you see in your, in your ability trees, like level 50, like that's, that's where the game to unquote starts uh, for, for as Diablo fans say. And that just seems like where it's going to end for me to be yeah. quite honest, but we'll see. Yeah. What I realized too, is that this, this story is like long. Like I, I realized, like okay, I'm actually not close at all because some of those some of those later acts have like a lot of missions in them, like in the twenties. And I'm like, well, not only that, oh I, I think <laughs> you only see three acts, and there's a fourth act that unlocks after. Well, there's doing five, three and there's an act, there's an act five, and I think oh, I think there's act. a six as well. So oh, it's, wow, this okay. game is long as hell, and I'm already yeah. kind of going, oh my god, I don't know if I can handle this. So and that if that's if that's the case, then yeah, I. I just don't know with Final Fantasy coming out and, and other games yeah. that are like Rain Code and other things. Like, I don't know if this is going to be a game that I'm going to be sticking around with. Look, I, I for those who are Diablo fans listening to this, you can, you can, whatever Marco says, you can have that debate with him because Marco is the, the fan, the Diablo fan. I, More I I'm a guy. I'm a guy with the the carrot at the end of the stick. If you're going to show me a game with narrative that's a, l- a lot more interesting than Diablo, which is pretty easy to do at this point, I'm just I'm over there. I'm like, huh? You're going to lose me. And, and we're about to get into some real narrative heavy games here. And I don't true. know if I'm going to be able to stick around. So yeah, we'll see. That is a good point. We're getting into like narrative season uh, now with yeah. all the the big you know end of year bangers starting to come out. Speaking of that's which. Speaking of which, though, Pablo, we did get a prologue demo for Final Fantasy 16, uh, which dropped, um, and we uh, both got a chance to work our way through the demo. Um, obviously, the full release is is uh, just days away as of this recording, so not too much longer to wait. Um, but I wanted to go ahead and kind of get your early impressions based on the demo. Now, obviously, uh, the demo uh, is a demo. So, you know, the full version of the game, yeah. which will receive a day one patch, as we found out, uh, with yeah, yeah. performance in, uh, improvements, will uh, address some of the things that are going on there. But uh, as far as the demo itself goes, Pablo, the first glimpse into Final Fantasy 16 after all 2000 trailers we saw, um, oh, what was it like getting your hands on this game? And what do you think about the story and the action so far? Yeah, yeah, I, and I'm not, I'm not going to talk about any performance things uh, right now because it's literally just a demo. Yeah, the I don't want to So it's just unfair to, to, to kind of judge the game by something that's not even the final product, apparently. So that's right. that's not that's not right to do. But I, I will say, um, uh, my first impression, like my first first impression, I was kind of like, oh no, because. It, it just it, it has so much heavy lifting to do. It is the prologue, and it's so cutscene heavy. It's like take two steps forward, ten minute cutscene. Take two two steps five, five steps forward, a, a twenty minute cutscene, and that's okay when you know you have the game ahead of you to play. And and that was kind of like man. But then 
then I got to the to the part part of the, of the demo where it kind of lets you loose a little bit w- with the combat. And honestly, man, but but I I think that a lot of shit has been given this game about the combat in terms of that it's not Final Fantasy. This game is Final Fantasy is all shit. Like it is I love the setting. I I think that the Game of Thrones style of, of kind of uh, storytelling or narratives that they're trying to push here is absolutely fantastic. Uh, I like that they embrace the mature side with some of the story beats that they do. I won't spoil those here, but it's like oh shit like dude, there's some really heavy shit happening here. Um I, I like where the Joshua story is going. Uh the set pieces are absolutely amazing. I like the way that they set something up in the beginning and at the end of that uh, of that um, a demo, they put context into it. You replay that thing, but it, there's context and it just brings another layer of storytelling into a combat scenario, which is absolutely amazing. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I, I guess I'm unsure naturally of Clive and the boys in terms of like characters because we didn't see a lot of them in terms of together and, and, and cohesiveness in that way. Uh, but other than that, man, I, 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 I think that this game is going to be all right. I, I, I think that, uh, it's going to be one of not by say, all right. I don't mean that it's going to be like, seven, okay, I mean like it's going to be okay. It's going to be great. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. No, like, like all the fears that people may have about final fantasy game because of how it's switching over from it's a more traditional experience into this kind of action heavy. I don't think people are going to be talking about that much once they get through this game. I, it, it's just, it just, it's so final fantasy and it feels so good. And it looks so good at, at that as well. I mean, I mean, some of the cutscenes are just like amazing. Just some of the best final fantasy stuff I've ever seen. Uh, and you know, I, I'm looking forward to, to more of it. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I, 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 I hope, like Game of Thrones, I hope that there isn't like so many names being thrown out there, so many settings and places. Because in the cutscenes, they have a thing you composite the X-ray thing, and you can yeah. actually break down each of those things. Where it's like, holy shit, if they thought this was necessary, I bet my ass better pay attention here. But that's okay. I mean, that that's that's more than okay as long as you're telling a very compelling story. I'm gonna be paying attention, you yeah. know. So I'm I, I'm very excited for this. I was excited for the game to begin with, um, and then like just initially the 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 the, the demo was kind of like. I don't know, but as as soon as that as soon as that uh, rolled credits, quote unquote, on that demo itself, I was all in. I pre-ordered it. I had not pre-ordered it yet. I pre-ordered it then and there. It, it's it's good to go. It's 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 just it's next week, and I can't wait. It's it it was a great experience so far. Yeah, it's gonna be a banger, man. I I, yeah. I really enjoyed it a lot, and um, it's always tricky as a new Final Fantasy comes out, especially a modern one, when you come off the heels of a fifteen, which was largely unfinished, and then you have the thirteens that came out that kind of stunk up the joint. You wonder like, okay, where is Final Fantasy really headed next, right? Yeah. Now this game looked great in trailer form and I was very confident in the game, but this is another thing to get the game in your hands and go, okay, now what is this really, right? When the trailers are done and, and then the, the sizzle reel is over, what is this game actually going to be? And I came away very, very impressed, man. I, I, I do think that this game strikes an awesome balance between the grit of Game of Thrones and the flair of Final Fantasy. Um, I think that's, that's a good it's, way to put it. It's very evident in the way that the opening cinematics are spliced. You have like the castle talk as people are walking away. It's like the West Wing was where everybody was always talking oh, yeah, to yeah, each yeah. other oh, in I the hallways. But this the is like, talks. yeah, the walk and talk, man. Uh, I felt that a lot. Um, you, you you got a lot of backstabbing going on, a lot of treachery happening. Ooh, that one person is Ooh, on the hit list. She ain't no good. 
Oh, she no good. <laughs> but uh, I, that is it, that kind of storytelling really, really got me to lean forward in my chair because you know, yeah. Final Fantasy, much as I love it, it can get a little whimsy, uh, too much whimsical, you know, for your, for its own good. It gets a little dorky and and it's part Preachy, of the some stuff. it's part of the charm. But it, you know, I, I really like the way Yoshi P has talked about how this is kind of. I forget his exact wording for it, but it's a Final Fantasy for, you know, uh, the, the older generation, the people that grew up in yeah, Final yeah. Fantasy. Like, the, this is a game that matured with us, you know, and this is the yes. culmination of that. Um, because it's not afraid to get bloody. It's not afraid to get a little messy. And, and I, I really think that's going to make for an interesting story all throughout. Uh, I really like Clive. I think Clive is, is potentially going to be one of my favorite protagonists of the year. Uh, maybe even my favorite. I really like the the arc he's got so far, and and kind of the you know showing his backstory. For those of you who didn't play the demo, you want to avoid the, the direct spoilers. We're trying to stay away from that for you. But um, I really like where his character is going. I like his voice work as well. Um, uh, I the world building, is, you know, to your point with that whole like diagram thing, like th- this is world building one hundred and one right here. Like yeah, this yeah, is how you it. get people to be like really interested and to be self aware too. That we're introducing you to different worlds, different conflicts, different factions, different people within the factions, different things they can do in the factions. Like, okay, we got to make sure you've got something to go to to kind of stay on top of all this. And I like the fact that they thought that through. Um, Combat-wise, I think it took me some getting used to at first. I do. Uh, the control scheme to me, uh, it's not bad. It's not a like completely no, no. wonky control scheme. It's just a little bit of a of a of a strange little. It's like the a Japanese action game always has that one thing that should be mapped in 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 yeah. one spot that never is um and for me it's dodging the dodging with r1 oh yeah it's, it's what am i doing with that why am i doing that you know um they have other control schemes to to kind of give you like a more souls like sort of map uh mapping and another one too yeah i'm gonna mess with those once the game comes yeah, out yeah i'm probably gonna test out a little bit but um i eventually i got used to it and then i was sort of good to go um I really, really enjoy the combat so far, though. I think it is very exciting. It's dynamic. Um, I would you go ahead. Would you say that a lot of what was put into like the the like when people were talking about it that this the Devil May Cry uh, combat director uh-huh. was part that created this because it still didn't feel that responsive to me. It it still felt like a little bit like Final Fantasy VII remake and and and, fif- and fifteen in terms of like it's definitely better than fifteen in terms of like responsiveness between the input, but there's still a little bit of a a little bit of a not lag because it's mm-hmm. on purpose. There's just something there that takes time for it to register, almost like a turn based kind of thing. Because it's very it's very much like uh, you know like uh, Devil May Cry, but. At the same time, there's something about it that feels still feels like Final Fantasy esque about it. I don't know. That's yeah. just me. No, I I know what you mean. Um, here's what I think it is. I think that because it's still trying to be a role playing game, it is it's got that action RPG hybrid thing going for it. I think what they're trying to do, unlike a Double May Cry, which is much more instantaneous and responsive, yep. is they want you to be more thoughtful about what you're going to do. You it's have works. the tool set. To, to dart around, dash here, go here, do that, but is it the smartest thing to do in the context of this battle, right? So it, it's still trying to encourage you that, yes, while we've made all of these, uh, like the magic and the you know this move and that move, all at your disposal and very easy to do, you still have a decision to make to make the best choice for how you want to approach every encounter. Yeah. So you know if you do that move, understand it might be it might be a little delayed doing that because we want you to like 
really think about. It's almost like timing in a, in a, in a Soulsborne sense, right? Yeah. You know with certain moves, like, okay, I'm going to need like a, a full second to be able to pull that off with like yeah. cocking back the sword, the, the contact. So I need to really make sure I, that's the right move to make in that, in that moment. It's the same kind of essence here. I'm not saying those two games are anything in common. I'm just saying it's the same No, no, essence. I see what you mean. Um, I like... So. No, I, and I mean that as a compliment because yeah, I think yeah. a lot of the a lot of the stuff was overblown in terms of like it's just an action game. It, it actually isn't. There's a lot of, of of stuff that you have to go through menu wise within the game yeah, itself no, that 100%. is going to um, you know it's going to make you think of, of 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 combat just a little bit more than you would in a pure action game. Did you play the the the, the second part of that demo? No, the, I did not. No, yeah, the, me neither. Me that neither. little no, because it was like oh, this is further along in the game when you have blah 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 blah. I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to see all that because it is yeah, I, yeah, I I I. I did go to it and then it showed me a cinematic i'm like oh i don't want to see that out of context oh, no no no, no, no i'm no, good no. so i backed right i wanted out to try it for like how it, once you got like a lot of stuff upgraded and see how that combat feels but i never got around to it but yeah. it has a cinematic in front i don't know i want to mess with that yeah it, it made me think of other demos that i played in the past too where they give you everything and it's like oh, well i don't know what to do with all this like i want to exactly like a yeah. dragon Ishin was a perfect example it's like here's everything so you can see what it's all like. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. So I don't know if yeah. I like it now. So I, I, it, I wish they didn't put that in there and they just kept it at the prologue. But, you know, for people who want to jump ahead, I guess it's cool that it's there. But yeah. Um, overall, yeah, I'm high, I'm, I'm high as a kite on this damn demo, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be fire. And, and I think the full game uh, should live up to expectations for me. But, you know, Pablo, that wasn't all we played. Um, you also did allude to playing a certain Star Wars game. So why don't you go ahead and give us your, your thoughts on that? Yeah, but I went back to Jedi Survivor, which is something that I, I was planning to do. But, you know, after Tears of the Kingdom and even Diablo to a certain extent, uh, going back to Survivor, I thought was going to be hard because in my experience with Survivor was it was a roller coaster. Was The highs were super high and the lows were super low for me in some aspects. So the thing is, I apparently I left off right before the game got absolutely incredible because <laughs> I've picked it up since then and it's been just absolutely next level to the point where when you, if you think about games this year when it's like Tears of the Kingdom, Diablo, like Resident Evil 4, like these games are like the top tier games, Survivor's right there with them. They, they, they do they're just as good as those other games in terms of storytelling, gameplay. It's just it just took a while for all these things to come together. I think the biggest thing that had the slowest burn that is now paying off in spades was the actual narrative itself. I mean, it just it just it, I finished the game and the last four hours of that game in terms of the storytelling was the best kind of. If anybody has seen the show Andor. The thing that works about that show is that it is Star Wars, but it isn't. It's more about the characters, and that's what this game has done. Sure, there are moments in this game that will make a Star Wars fan freak out, loser shit, but the best moments of this game, narratively, are character moments, human moments, moments about love, moments about parenthood that you really gets you thinking. Uh, it's like, oh my God, like what would I do in that situation? Because I am now a father. And it's like these moments are just things that you don't really expect if coming from a Star Wars game. And this game delivers them and, in, and it's just so well written, so well done. And in the story, in the conclusion of that story, incredibly well done i mean just everything leading up to it it, it it just all pays off at the end the gameplay is fantastic once you got all those abilities all ranked up and you know exactly how you want to play your 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 uh your cal Kestis, depending it's depending on the on the blades you use i use a double uh blade with the uh cross guard which is the big 
like sword which kind of plays a little more like dark souls once you get those two and you upgrade those things and you're switching between those things simultaneously dude it is a beautiful uh game in, when, it, when it's in combat and then obviously like i said uh add that narrative add those characters i mean this is a this is a banger of a fucking game if this isn't just better than than jedi fallen order it is just like leaps and bounds better than anything that game was trying to do in just about every facet it is it is mind-blowing honestly as to how good this game actually turned out to be and what i love about it it doesn't rest its laurels on star wars it is a star wars game yes the the, the aesthetic is star wars but the story they're telling you it's just so it's just so good it's only a game i think respawn could have done when you look at respawn and, and titanfall 2 and that story and how they're not afraid to take chances they've done the same thing here and i think they, they've absolutely fucking killed it this is going to be a hard game for it not to be in my top five of the year honestly just mm. because of how amazing it turned out to be uh but we'll see there's a lot of good games coming down the pike but as it stands right now it's probably my second or third favorite game of the year now obviously recency bias is there i'm telling you if you play this game the last part of this story is just it's so good so maybe that's in play maybe later on all those things will come together and i can get a little bit more of a clear head on it but right now man this is a fucking game marco i don't do I know it man hogwarts, don't I, don't I know do this hogwarts legacy and you're not a hogwarts <laughs> fan and you enjoyed it i think this is the same kind of thing i think that i think you'll really love this I game this was coming in, man. in ways i i do especially that there's just twists and turns that have nothing to do with Star Wars, bro. Nothing at all that you as a person who loves narratives will appreciate. And then the the, the story stuff that, that it, I know you'll appreciate it. I don't know if it's a game you should pay $70 for. It's a game that, that could right. come to Game Pass um, or a game that could be heavily discounted down the line. Maybe. I don't know. But as it, dude, it is... <laughs> This is. A, I think you'd be missing. I think you'd be missing out. Even in a year so jam packed with games, you'd be missing out on an incredible video game experience if you don't play this game. Not that's an just incredible me, video game experience. <laughs> yeah, I think. I think so. I, you know. You know what I mean. It's just. It's just like no, when you, you mean, think about your playing. experiences in, in gaming throughout the year in terms of these moments. I think this game has three or four of those moments that are just kind of uh, next level. Honestly. All right. Well, here's the you thing. Know? Here's the thing. July and August don't look to be crazy months in 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 terms of marco yeah. games on the on the horizon so if i'm if i'm so inclined pablo i might go ahead and give it a try i might do that i might i, yeah. I was actually thinking about i think i told you about this i was going i was i was considering getting back on gamefly again this would be the quintessential gamefly game for me it's not Thanks. enough to, to you know it's like 15 16 bucks a month i can you know this isn't a paid ad by the way i don't know if you guys are concerned about that <laughs> by the way look gamefly uh no it's it, this might be one of those types of games like a dead island 2 th those tier of games that oh, i'm like yeah, man. i don't need them i could live without them but you know if if the good word is that good then you know i, I might i might buckle but i'm telling you right now fall in order didn't do a damn thing for me. Yeah, I, honestly, it's a game that I struggle with. Even when you look at back at my top 10 games of the year, I think it ended about 8 or 9, and it struggled there as well. I think that that game does really cool stuff. I think that game definitely definitely is very much about its Star Wars-ness, you know? Yeah. I think that Jedi Survivor is actually, it, it detaches itself enough from that where from that IP where it feels like, okay, this is just a game and the story being told by people with very little, um, not regard, but very little, like, uh, they want to be so Star Wars. Oh my God. Like, it's not really what they're going for here. Um, 
I would be shocked that if you play this game and you complete it, that you, it wouldn't be on your top ten list. That's how confident I am about the the, the quality of this game and goes. how it will speak to you. He's putting the gusto on this thing, man. And I, I, admittedly, it's not just you. I've heard a lot of other podcasts yeah. be like, "Wait a minute, y'all! Star Star Wars Jedi Survivor is different." Um, yeah. I, I guess there is that. I'll be totally honest with you. Sure, I'm tired of seeing Star Wars games. That's yeah, the, me too. That is what it is for me. It it, it sounds catty and and it dismissive and reductive, but it's just I'm tired of seeing them. You know, Dude, we're but, gonna talk about a game in a little bit. <laughs> then you that got people that. love, that people love seeing, and I'll be telling. I'm gonna tell you right now, a little foreshadowing. I. Hold on. Let's wait. Let's save that. Let's save that. You're right. You're right. All right. Okay. But in the meantime, good to know that you look at this as a potential top fiver for you, especially with the stuff that's coming out by the end of the year. It'd be crazy if it still makes that cut for you. But let me kind of round things out a little bit here. Take it down a little story time here. Okay. I don't know why my voice did that for a second. That was weird. You know, after Pablo, after the showcase with Xbox and Starfield Direct, fall off of Diablo 4, as I said, played the demo of Final Fantasy 16, had a great time, good two hours. And I'm just kind of twiddling my thumbs and I'm going, I, I don't really have anything I'm like dying to do, you know? So I'm like, okay, you know what? To be completely honest, I haven't really spent a lot of quality time with the Xbox ecosystem since probably Hi-Fi Rush, which was what, January, I think? Yep, January, yeah. So I'm like, okay, let me let me let me dip the toe back in the water again. Let me just get reacquainted. You know, I not to say that I'd never turned my Xbox on since Hi-Fi Rush. It's just that I'd never really invested time into right. the system and um you know i got back into the swing of things i re-downloaded a lot of stuff i get I, I think what i was trying to do pablo was i was trying to get the like to, to get the spark back for xbox yeah had a great showcase i gave it an a minus so i was obviously pretty high on it so i'm like all right let me kind of get back in this in the, in the swing of things and see if xbox still hits home with me um, played a lot of Master Chief Collection, jumped in some old Halo, played a little bit of the missions, just not really with an intention to go far, just to kind of dabble, right? Played a little bit of Gears 5, got back in that again, downloaded Forza Horizon 5, played that for a little bit. I'm just sampling. I'm just sampling. It's a buffet line of Xbox. And I, you know, I, I get to a point mentally where I'm like, you know what? I, I kind of missed this. I missed, I missed the Xbox experience. Be, not because they've been perfect, not because they've been great, not because they've been flawless. We know that's not true. But no. this console has heart. This this brand has a certain kind of like personality and heart to it where you can see passion come through in a way that as much as I love PlayStation and I love Nintendo for it, it, in their own way, I they feel a little stiffer to me um, than xbox does when it comes to giving like real passionate like experiences that these developers actually wanted to make it didn't get forced to make right yeah sometimes to their detriment you know as we talked about they get lost in their own vision and then it just doesn't translate well to the consumers blah 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 but i really missed it and you know getting back into game pass specifically um i was off game pass for a while most of the year yeah. to be honest with you i didn't advertise that because i don't like i'm announcing that i'm getting off of game Pass. that's corny to me but I got back into the to the swing of things and, you know, like I said, dabbled in some of the classic stuff. 
And then I went back to some of the deeper cuts that I didn't get a chance to try yet. And one of them was Soul Hackers 2, right? And, and what's interesting about this game is it represents, you know, Xbox working with Sega and Atlas to bring a lot of their games to the, the service. And I think that is becoming one of the biggest pickups that they've had in recent memory. When you, you, you get Personas, you get uh, Like a Dragon games, and then you're getting these little, like, you know, like I said, deep cut games. These, like, little weird, off-in-the-corner kind of games that most people won't buy. Unless you're like right. a real hardcore JRPG fan and want to try it out. I know this was a game that last year you had on your calendar as like, you, you were just like weirdly like drawn to yeah. it for some reason. And I don't think it really did a lot for you from what I remember. Yeah, I felt, for me, I'll tell you what I feel before you get yeah, into yeah, go ahead, go ahead. it. I felt like it lacked the persona polish. It had all the things that I, th- that, that make, it had all the things that feel like a persona type game, right? But it felt like it missed a lot of, the- it just felt like a cheap version of that. Great and value version. I think if I would have pushed through that a little bit more, I would have gotten over it, especially the first like couple of hours was a little rough for me. And I heard that the game does get better after that. But it's just something that for whatever reason I couldn't stick with mm. uh and yeah I, i've tried i've tried i thought about going back to it later on but it, it's just not a game that it didn't do much for me so it's i can't i i can't see myself doing that no, but that's I know understandable. That you, you, you definitely did yeah well what i've heard is that they've done a lot of quality of life improvements to the game okay. uh since it came out when you played it so you know changing certain things about the camera and in the gameplay and you know little things here and there All that right. kind of were like nagging issues from what i heard don't ask me what they were because i didn't play the you know when yeah. it first came out i will say though I'm having a great time with that game so far. I actually really enjoy the story. The combat to me, I think it is diet persona. That's that's clear. The dungeon crawling diet persona. Yeah. Uh could be better. But I really am engaged with the storytelling and it just strikes me as impressive on two levels. Obviously the game itself Atlas doing such an interesting job of creating these weird and twisted stories that you you don't think can work and they and they make right. them work every time. And then you have the Xbox angle of no, of having the wherewithal to build that relationship with Sega and Atlas to try to get games like this, even though they're not banner titles, right? But to fill out your your Game Pass library with games like these to, you know, to be a service that essentially pays for itself by letting you not only get a chance to, to, to play the, the big AAA first party games like Starfield, but to also get a chance to dabble in games that you just wouldn't normally want to spend full price on, to be honest with you, right? And and I know that's an old... The benefits of Game Pass are, are, are well-documented. We don't need to go sure, there again. Sure. I'm just saying that as as me getting reacquainted with the brand again, I guess I kind of lost sight of that a little bit, if I'm being honest. So I, I admire the fact that games like these get a, get a place um, in that in that service, and, I, I, and that indies do too, you know? Um, so yeah. I, I'm really excited about not only the pillars of first party coming back into play for Game Pass, but that games like these, these little deep cuts that you wouldn't really think about, they would be afterthought to anybody else, they get a little bit of shine on this service and uh, and can mess around and surprise you sometimes. So Absolutely. I'm, I'm a happy camper in, in, in that sense, uh, for sure. Um, but that is going to do it for Loadouts this week. That was a lot of fun, man. Uh, but before we move on, Pablo, before we move on, ladies and gentlemen, listeners of the show, if you like what you're hearing, consider subscribing, all right? We drop new episodes every single Monday on all streaming services, and we also have audio versions of the show available on YouTube. Uh, and if you're feeling extra cool, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at It's Cool Down Time to keep us in your FOV in between episodes. Now, 
Let's go right into the next segment of the show, Pablo. This is the news segment that we call Hit Points. Let's go. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for Hit Points. All right, man. So we were just talking about Xbox. So let's go ahead and keep that momentum going a little bit, Pablo. Um, I'm going to call a quick audible here, Pablo, if that's okay with you. Uh, I didn't yeah. cover this with you pre-show, but you know, I, I guess, you know, because we, when we recorded last week's show, breaking the fourth wall we recorded that hours after the showcase so you were getting listeners were getting raw reactions from from you and me i want to circle back to you really really quick because we've got a lot of ground to cover but really quickly in the days that you've had to kind of marinate on the showcase since the day we recorded has your stance changed is it the same are you feeling any differently about anything now that you've had time to kind of sit back and process things yeah, I, I think that I was a little, a little harsh. Uh, I did give it a B plus, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, there were certain things about the show that I thought, you know, didn't work. And in retrospect, I've gone back and I've watched. I've actually rewatched the the showcase, and I thought that, oh. and I thought to myself, it's like this. This is okay. Like the things that they did that I didn't like were fine. Like they 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 weren't like the best moments to, to, to talk about that specific game. But ultimately the entire package from opening with Fable and then uh South of Midnight and then just kind of those bangers, the Star Wars game and then, you know, showing everything that they have in, in their in their pipeline was really impressive. Honestly. It's it's what you want from a showcase. You want to see new reveals you want to see gameplay you want to see at least in game in engine game stuff and they showed all that stuff yeah my opinions about avowed changed a little bit too i played a little bit of outer wilds and um getting into that and kind of going through that and realizing what they do with those smaller scale kind of games is actually kind of exciting so i'm i'm all i'm actually i feel like if i were to give it a new grade it'd probably be uh a uh just because just because when you look at everything else and especially when you compare it to other showcases like Capcom, hello, what the fuck? Like it's they 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 did their job, they did what they were supposed to do, and they've created a buzz about Xbox that wasn't really there. And they've been going through some shit since January, oh, so yeah. it isn't like it isn't like they they it was like nothing was happening. A lot was happening that was going against them, and this showcase has turned a lot of people around on uh, on them for sure. So they did their job. So that's my bad. That's my bad. But those are <laughs> raw reactions that we definitely get, and, and I I. At the time, I, I that's how I felt. It wasn't I wasn't putting on or anything. That's I why wasn't, I asked. It, yeah, yeah. So that's what I felt, and I just feel like I was a little too harsh for sure. Yeah, you know what struck me because I listened back to our episode too, and I was like, I gave it an A minus. But my, you hear me talk about a lot of the games, and I was leaning into a lot of the negatives mostly. Mm-hmm. So I think what that made me realize in hindsight was that I had my guard up when the yeah. showcase came out because I was already you know really down on Xbox I was trying to turn the corner after the Phil Spencer interview but you can sense that I was like I, I just I don't I don't know if I can trust you guys I, I feel like yeah, I had my yeah. dukes up the entire time and I think since then I've kind of let my guard down and go okay you know what again and I think I said it in that episode too as a as a first step that was the best step that they could have made you know uh there's a little of that backdraft of you know the the, the, the errors of old that they kind of has still have to deal with but that that really felt like a huge turning of the corner for Xbox in a way yeah. for me that has actually kind of flipped the script a lot on my outlook for this console generation um as the tides seem to be in a weird like 
uh, state with Sony and, and, and obviously Nintendo is kind of segueing out of this generation as we speak. And here comes Xbox, you know, on the, on the bounce back. And it's like, man, this could be a real seminal moment for them if they play their cards yes. right. So it just feels like Xbox is trying to do more while Sony is pretty much content with where they are because they are the industry leaders and Nintendo's Cruise Nintendo. Control. So you see, you kind of see Sony and you kind of see those things where they got Spider-Man 2 coming out, but you know, they don't really talk about what's going coming out beyond that. I'm sure they got bangers. They are Sony. Their first party series are amazing, but they're kind of like, just like, eh. and their showcase was also like, you like us just watch this whatever right. like, yeah, you, yeah, that's yeah. not gonna change yeah. and so you see Xbox striving to do more and Xbox has always done that under Phil Game Pass was a creation out of necessity and it's been a pillar for them and so I feel like it's a thing that Xbox does well is they don't they don't just rest on the fact that they're this backed by the Switch company, but they're actually trying to make it in the game space, and they're trying to do it in their own terms. And I and I and I have to respect them for that for sure. That's true. That's a very good point. Yeah. Um, now speaking of uh, the Xbox showcase, obviously Starfield has been the zeitgeist uh, topic uh, amongst the gaming community uh, pretty much since then, and uh, a big part of that is because of the performance of the game. Uh, speaking of which, our first hit point news item is that John Linneman from Digital Foundry uh, gave us some insight as to why he thinks Starfield is running at 30 frames. He explains, quote, like prior BGS titles, it seems like Starfield tracks the location and position of arbitrary items in the world. And given the scope of the stuff uh, of this stuff begins to add up, uh, the player has so much freedom in this regard that it becomes presumably impossible to keep the frame budget below 16 milliseconds. Lowering the resolution uh, would not make this possible. Uh, in this uh, breakdown, he also adds that because of all the complex and interlocking systems, um, that creates a bottleneck on the CPU and, and feels this is not an indictment against the game, but rather a testament to all the things this game is trying to accomplish. So, um, you know, basically it, it sounds like Pablo, it's a case of, you know, the, not wanting to sacrifice um, the stuff under the yeah. hood that makes this game as it is as enriched as it is as, as an experience, just for the sake of performance. Um, but you know, Pablo, after after thinking about that breakdown, um, how do we feel about this thirty frames per second thing happening for for Starfield as the standard? And where do we think this uh, takes gaming uh, in the future, as far as yeah. thirty frames becoming more apparent, more prevalent in the future? Yeah, I mean, look, I think that I think there's one thing we have to talk about is that the promise of these consoles has always been 4K 60 frames. That, that That's something that not only have we speculated, but Xbox and Sony have talked about. The reality of the situation is becoming that with more technology, the vision and the ambition of creating these games by creators has grown. And so maybe 4K 60 frames was the vision because they what they were capable of doing at the time. But now that they're like, actually, we can do this and we can do this and add more and more more and more to it i feel like they're realizing themselves that 30 frames is probably the best option for a lot of what they're trying to do and that's no different here with with starfield i mean i just I just played through survivor i played at 30 frames because the performance mode is janky still and it plays great at 30 great motion blur there to, to kind of cover things up and then um you know uh i feel like starfield is is gonna fall in that same in that same position i i just think that what they're trying to do, and, I, and other developers, even a dub from San, uh, Sony Santa Monica has said that he feels that frames are not necessarily 
a, a, a sign of great tech, but rather a vision by the artist. If you're trying to do all these things in the game and you want them to, 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 to work the way they should work, 30 frames is going to have to be the way you, you, you kind of do this. Uh, and so I, I, you know, I, I feel like if it's done right, and everything that they've said, and it's a lock 30 at that, with Starfield specifically, it makes a lot of sense to me. And everything that they showed uh, was running at 30. And so I didn't see anything in that gameplay demonstration, which was exp- expansive that looked bad and you know that looked like performance wise that something wrong was that it had that 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 creation engine jank to it it actually looked really smooth in terms of everything that they showed so i feel like if they're able to do it in a way where it doesn't it doesn't make the game suffer like in any way i think that it's all right i i just it 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 is hard to, to go from a sixty frames experience to a thirty frame experience. Uh, you know, with, with Forbidden West, I played that in sixty because I tried to go to thirty and it just it just felt wrong. You know, but um, it, it just it it just depends on so many things. But I do think looking at this and looking at the ambition behind Starfield and looking at what the future is of games because games are just going to get even more and more ambitious. I think that we're gonna have we're gonna start seeing thirty frames. Uh, they also talked about per- perhaps uh, a 40, 30 frames kind of thing with VRR, but the problem is it's like if you go to sixty to forty, VRR isn't really going to, yeah. to to cover that. So they might have to lower the frames for VRR, but not everybody has VRR unfortunately. So there's there's limitations not only with the tech but also with the way we consume these games monitors versus tvs what some monitors have what some tvs don't have things like that all come together i think that to get the full experience equally across the board there are concessions that they have to make and so that's what's happening here how about you man i know that you're you're it's not that you're a snob it's that you're sensitive to to frames in that sense so that's i'm I'm interested to see how you feel about that because it's not so much that you're like I only play games with 60 because that's the ultimate way to play games. It's more like, you know, you, you see the frame issues when, when, when it's not running at, at a, 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 a locked, pristine 60. Yeah, first, t- first two things I want to address. Uh, that's not how I talk, number one. <laughs> well, and number two, like. number two, <laughs> number two, I didn't like how you threw a jab at Forbidden West like that. I didn't like, I didn't like how you did that. That was unnecessary. No, no. You didn't have to do that. You ain't I said no I good, Pablo. Because it, it, it ran better at sixty than it did thirty. Well, you're running on my last damn nerve by doing that. I didn't like. I didn't <laughs> like the subliminals. All right. Now let me address. Could have played that game in eight 120 frames per second. Uh, that would have been better because her her movement would have been faster, and I would have gone through that game faster. So I stopped playing that damn trash of a game. If you don't stop, if you don't stop right now, if you don't mute <laughs> yourself. Man, ain't no good. Uh, all right, listen. So here's the thing. Um, there's a, this is such an interesting thing, right? Because there's so many different variables to this, right? When you think about this generation, okay, let's, let's look at this console cycle holistically. A lot of cross-gen experiences. A lot of them, right? The problem with that was that a lot of these games were being developed with the lowest common denominator in mind, which was PS4, base Xbox One, Right? And so because of that, it was easier for, and I don't want to oversimplify this because I'm not a developer, but it was easier to basically juice the performance up on current-gen consoles because of the lowest common denominator. The problem is, is that 
that was two and a half years of time that all of us got used to 60 frames per second. And now we're spoiled on that, right? <laughs> That's a good point. And now developers are looking at us and going, whoa, 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 whoa. We were only able to do that for the most part. There are exceptions where there was like, yes, you know. Yes, yes, yes. But we were only able to do that because this was a cross-gen thing, bro. So that's starting to go away. Xbox recently announced they're, they're done putting stuff on Xbox One. They're moving full stop to the current gen. And with that comes a little bit of that 30 frames per second comeback, right? Yeah, real quick. It's funny because it feels like a uniquely Sony problem because they're the only ones that have been putting out games. <laughs> this is the only time Xbox yeah. not putting out games to save themselves because the conversation is like, oh, but how about Gears? How about a God of War, God of War Forbidden yeah, yeah. West, all that stuff? It's like, well, actually, they're cross-platform. Right. So right. I feel sorry for Sony about this. It Exactly. And so mm-hmm. that leads me to when we look at this... Like this new batch of games, right? The Starfields. We'll talk about Star Wars Outlaws in a second. But you look at games like that, right? Unreal Engine 5 games, for that matter. These games are really pushing some boundaries. Or they're trying to, right? At least, yeah. And because of that, it's like, all right, you know, we want to be able to kind of keep the 60 frames party going for you. But we, we want to make next-gen experiences, too. Right, we want it. We want our scope to match your expectations of what you bought that console for. Now, it, it, what's tough is because you have the Xboxes of the world, world's most powerful console. You have Aaron Greenberg yeah. talking about sixty frames is the is the baseline. One twenty is the is the is the stretch goal, basically. You know, on his, on his Twitter account, you have stuff like that coming out, muddying the waters, warping people's expectations. When now, what it really is coming down to is kind of like you said, artistic vision. It makes me think back a lot, Pablo, to the X-Cast interview with Phil Spencer when he was talking so much about artistic vision, artistic vision, artistic vision. Yeah. Now I know what he was talking about. Because now when you look at Starfield, to get, to get back on that, you look at what this game is trying to achieve. And I think, you know, it's pretty obvious that this game is trying to do some real big things here. And that there's just not the kind, it's not wanting to sacrifice the, the right. little nuances. So all that under the hood stuff that, that John Linneman talked about that I damn near don't understand at all. I'm just going, you know what? I believe you because it, it <laughs> you can, because you can see it. You can see it in what Starfield is trying to be. You can see it in what the like Star Wars Outlaws is trying to be, which we'll talk about later. But like you can you can start you can sense that okay, games are trying to be next gen now. Or at least most, uh, some of them are, right? And yeah. so there's going to be concessions. Now, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and change my stripes on, on, on air and say, oh, now I totally am happy with 30 frames for Starfield. No, no I'm no, still no. not. I still wish it was going to be 60. Uh, and it is yeah, going to be an adjustment. What I would say to people, that's just a pro tip, right? And this is something everybody does. I know all you listeners do the same thing too. Pablo does it, I do it. Whenever games give us the option of 30 or 60 frames... We always do the, let me try it at 30. Oh, that yeah. looks like a slideshow. Let me try it at 60. That's, that feels great. Your eyes will eventually adjust to 30 frames the longer you stick with it. It, yeah. it, it will. That's just it, That's factual. Your eyes are going to get used to it. You will adjust to it. When you keep switching back and forth between 30 and 60, 30 and 60 to compare them, your eyes are not going to adjust to 30, so it's going to look choppy. So event, I say all that to say this. Your eyes will get used to Starfield. It will. Yeah. Mine will. Yours will. It, it, it is going to happen. But, and this is the last thing I'll say. I know I've been talking forever, but 
when people want 60 frames, what they really want is they want a smooth and responsive feeling, right? So what Starfield can do, despite being 30, is be responsive, right? I don't want to feel like it's sluggish moving the camera around. I want it to feel snappy when I'm shooting people. I want it to feel like my inputs are registering right yep. on the dot, right? That's been a problem for Bethesda games in the past. I've got on plenty of Bethesda games, Arcane games too, for being like, okay, I did, I turned the camera and it felt like it was like a wind up and then it finally turns. Like, I don't want that problem at 30 frames. So if they can make this... Not with a shooter either. Exactly. Don't make it feel sluggish just because it's 30 frames. That's all I'm saying. And I would also say uh, to this point, this is something that Marco also brought up to me when I was talking about, because, you know, I, I... the 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 Final Fantasy 16 60 frames mode was a little bit choppy. It wasn't bad, horrible, but it had some moments, and then it would then clip to the the cutscenes, which were running at 30. Right, and so there was a little bit of a jarring thing. Diablo there. does that too, uh, by the way. Yeah, right. Yes, and so does Jedi Survivor. So playing at 30 frames and then going to because Jedi Survivor has those transitions that you can't tell when they're gameplay and cutscenes. If you have that on 60 and it goes to that, it is it's a dead jarring because, yeah. because there's like screen tearing in in that transition, and you're like, oh, boo. Yeah, it's bad. I'm not playing so, that game now. <laughs> so, so playing uh, playing uh, Final Fantasy 16 at 30, cutting to that transition, beautiful. Same thing with Jedi Survivor. I'm assuming the same thing here with, with, with this game, but uh, with Starfield. But um, yeah, man, it's I am not a person who's sensitive to frame. We all know that. I said that millions and millions of times. But I, you know, I would. I wish. That running at sixty would be the standard. I mean, I ever played Miles Morales and going between sixty and thirty and only losing some reflections going by sixty because of the art, uh, uh, um, was it the ray tracing? Mm. I was uh, not enabled, and that it just. I mean, playing sixty Spider Man swinging through that city is just—it's absolutely just—it was amazing. And then uh, going back to thirty just to see it with the ray tracing felt like horrible. So I, I that's just again. With time, things will transition. Because now I'm wondering, will Spider-Man 2 run have a 60 frames mode uh, at all at launch? Because of it is an action-only Spider-Man game, and there's a lot of stuff going on in that game itself. But Insomniac, they are wizards, so but we'll see exactly what happens there with that game as well. So, because yeah. it's, it's not a uniquely Bethesda issue, you know, this is something because you That's a true. lot of the comments that you see on on on, on online would would make you believe that only Bethesda is oh uh, and only Starfield is giving you not the option to run this game at 60 which is just not true no um I do I would say though I would love uh, the option to at the very least try the game at 60 even though if it's not optimal or at least a uncapped mode, the frame rate or or a mode like that even Miles Morales ended up having where it was like 40 or 50 frames plus ray tracing and I thought that was a pretty fair um a pretty fair uh you yeah. know compromise but you know, that's not so easy to do, or I imagine everybody would do it, but yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the modding community does. It'll be interesting to see uh, if they Skyrim this game, this game for the mm. next 10 years, and you get a, you know, special edition. This one's at 60 frames, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, that'll be interesting <laughs> to see. Um, but I think for right now, based on the current hardware that we have to work with here, I think... I've I'm not happy about it, but I've I've reconciled it in my brain. I've made sense of it in my brain, and I, I can accept it, even though I still think it's it's a it's a bummer. Um, but yeah. that's not the only Xbox uh, news that we have to talk about this week, Pablo. I'm gonna go ahead and kick it over to you. Tell me what you got. 
Yeah, in a recent interview with The Guardian, Phil Spencer explained why Halo was a no-show at the Xbox Showcase. He claimed he did not want to force 343 to talk about their long-term vision for Halo until they were ready. Uh, he also said that they had over 20 studios, uh, which means, um, you know, the, the days of only having four games for Xbox are gone, which are like Fable, Forza, Halo, and Gears. But do we think that's a good enough reason for Halo uh, doing a complete no-show at the Xbox Showcase and Xbox Showcase, uh, Showcase Extended? Or is this like more or less an underlining tone here that Phil and Xbox are telling us and admitting to us that they're pretty much uh, admitting defeat with Halo itself? Marco, what do you think? Um, I battled with this one for a while, but, um, you know, cause I, I think all the way up until recently, I was like, it should have been here. It should have been here. It should have been here. I wanted to see project Tatanka. I wanted to see the comeback because as I said before, you know, selling me on the future of Xbox can't really happen unless you, you show me what you're going to do to fix your, your biggest franchise. Right. And I still stand by that in theory, but I also had to kind of check myself a little bit and go, okay, wait a minute. When they did show Halo Infinite. The first time around, it went horrible for them, right? Craig face, the, the gameplay looked yep. bad. It looked very bland. The graphics looked horrible. There was popping all over the damn place. So I get it from both uh, standpoints of like, we know you care about it. We wanted to show it to you, but also like we, we do want to show you there's more to, to, to Xbox than just that. And also we want to make sure the next time you see it again, you can't meme it. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right. So, like, I I understand that they probably want to be a little bit more tactful, and we also got to th- look at it this way too, right? Three four three went through a lot of shakeups, a yeah. lot, a lot of people that were leading that company are gone, a lot of changeover. It it got crazy there for a while, and you know, and and not for nothing, it was warranted, you know, as we talked about in the past. But with that changeover and developing a new Royale kind of game, which is rumored. I think it's it's understandable that let's make sure our ducks are in a row before yeah. we let Halo resurface again. So I'm I'm willing to kind of concede a little bit that maybe it's best to let other games shine right now while Halo heals in the background. Yeah, I, I think this also is is telling us without telling us is that Project Tatanka's probably have grown is grown into something else into something bigger I almost feel like Project Tatanka is going to be uh, a wash away of Infinite and whatever this thing I is it's going to be yeah you did it's going to be a whole new platform and that's why they're not ready to show it because it's yeah. been in development for so long that if this was just a Battle Royale option that they would have shown that outright I, I agree uh, h- however I will say I think that Phil has been really clear and, 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 and transparent with us. He is, however, obfuscating the whole situation here because the, the the latter half of that where he goes, well, we also have so many games that we have to show and we don't want to just stick to those four. They still show had made time for Fallout 76. They still made time for ESO. And on top of that, they still showed Fable. They still showed Forza yeah, and Gears. Yeah, <laughs> And, and well, they didn't they show didn't gears, sh- but that was they didn't know, show gears because gear, gears didn't have an issue. Gears five was phenomenal, and gear six is cooking in the oven. So yeah. they, they got they're holding that for next year. No, that's fair. So 
through all that they still showed the games he said that they weren't gonna that they were like we're not this we're not this game studio about these games anymore we're about all the other games but they showed all the other bullshit as well and look and on top of that next week marco season four of halo is dropping it's very relevant still in that they could have shown a trailer a cinematic for that for uh for season four and they still were hush about it so for me this is definitely them like sunsetting infinite in a way where they're still putting out content for people who have it because obviously it's it's halo but they're really i think they're really coming off of it completely to the point where they're not going to talk about it when tatanka's ready and i don't think tatanka's gonna be ready for another couple of years, Probably two years if, yeah. if your prediction is correct that it's going to be a whole new thing um a whole new platform so I get it, but at the same time, I call it a bullshit on it because all the things he said that, you know, we're not the four horse. He called them the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I'm like, you still talked about two of them and <laughs> you yeah. opened the show with one of them. Yeah, I uh, see so, that. So but, I, it's kind of like, all right, man, you, you're definitely telling us Halo Infinite is dead in the water. And that's disappointing because in, I guess in my, in, in the back of my head, I still hope that there's going to be a season of Halo Infinite that's going to change how we I did download it, man. It. It's still fun. It's still I, fun. I, I actually was going to ask you the other day. It's like, should we try go and play it's some more? Fun. Because I think I think what our mistake was that we I do, I personally didn't like the the bigger battles. I thought that were oh that were, yeah, big team battles was big trash. Yeah, so I think we should probably go back and just play the the, the regular stuff because we we had some fun. The new season, the new season does look good, uh, and and there's a lot of career progression that they're they're adding in now for the first time, which yeah. is what people have been waiting for forever. Um. I think another part of this too, Pablo, is that they they really leaned into Forge being a big turning point for That's Halo true. Infinite, and it really didn't do what I think they wanted it to do. Forge never has. Forge, Forge is fun for people, and it's right, interesting, but it's but not the thing that's going to change Halo. People don't want to make their own fun. They, they want to play your game, right? And and yeah. and so I think that that's a part of it too. Um, of that, oh, they them realizing, oh, that's not the selling point we thought it was. Cut, you know, you know, player creation just ain't ain't it right now for halo um so i think that's part of it too but yeah, yeah I, I i understand your perspective and i think you're right there's a little bit of a little bit of a contradiction there uh for yeah. sure but i do think that um you know overall i i the next time i want to see halo again i want to see it healthy and so if that means i yeah. gotta wait then as much as i hate sure, to do it sure. i'll wait i will that's wait. true as well that's true as well uh but pablo we have another story of something that yeah. we're gonna be waiting probably to the end of our lifetime to see uh, but yeah, go man. ahead and break the news, man. Tell us what's going if, on. Yeah, former Respawn developer uh, Mohamed Alavi has revealed that Titanfall 3 was in fact in development for 10 months. They even had a playable build uh, and they were starting to structure missions. Uh, but even though uh, they felt that the game was coming along nicely, they felt that it wasn't the same feeling when they were doing Titanfall 2. They, they felt Titanfall 2 revolutionized a lot of how we play and think of first-person campaigns and multiplayer. Uh, and that 3 was just slightly better is what they, they thought about, about 3 itself. And another reason was multiplayer. Respawn was aware that people loved the Titanfall 2 multiplayer, but they believed that the multiplayer didn't have the longer legs because it was always cranked up to 11. And so they were also trying to mitigate a way to make that work. And then uh, PUBG came out, and then the the the, the battle royale uh, st stuff started coming out, and yeah. then respawn got into it with Apex Legends. So it, it kind of just washed that game out completely in terms of what they were trying to do initially. So I guess the question I have for you is: 
are we ever going to see another Titanfall game? And do you agree that, and this is another side thing, because I thought about this. Do you agree on his assertion about Titanfall 2's multiplayer, it being cracked up to 11 to the point where it was like, it was fun to play, but maybe not having those long legs like those other uh, games, uh, multiplayer games have? Yeah, so, it, man, I'm of, I'm of two minds about it, because my heart is broken that, you know, they yeah. did what they did with Titanfall 3. But then there's the side of me, Pablo, that looks at it and goes, okay, wait a minute. If they, let's say hypothetical, they went forward with Titanfall 3, but yeah. they were feeling uneasy about it, and it just didn't Ooh. feel like it was breaking new ground. It wasn't as revolutionary. It wasn't as, as, as big of a thing to them as 2 was. What would that game have looked like, and could it be possible that it wouldn't have been good? It, it, it could have been like a disappointment, basically, Yeah. to the point where yeah. it would have like sealed the fate of Titanfall. And we would never get one again. I, in other words, what I guess I'm saying is that I would rather them do what they did and still leave a little bit of hope alive that one day, someday they will revisit doing a Titanfall 3 100%. rather than make the game, force the issue. It comes out, it's not hitting, and then we never hear about it or see about it again because it's it's the it's the it's like. EA has this problem with like the third games of like Dead Space Three is the game that nobody wants to you know acknowledge yeah, yeah, its yeah. existence. I I wouldn't want Titanfall Three to to be that you know and, and then ruin the franchise for the next ten fifteen years or forever. Yeah, and, and what's interesting about it is that he also went on to say that internally they canceled the game that EA one day went to go check in on Titanfall 3, and they're like, no, it's we canceled it internally. It's not what we want. So even at that point, that's a good... I, I find that to be good news because they respect Titanfall 2 to the point where if it, they felt that it wasn't going to live up to the expectations and wasn't going to live up to their expectations, that they were willing to kill it in studio without any kind of pushback from the, the big publisher. And, and that's good. That, that, that means what you're saying is exactly right. That means that the future for Titanfall isn't exactly over, but the fact that if they have an idea, if they have something that they actually think can make Titanfall 3 worthy of that 3, that that's when we'll see the next game, then at that point, that makes a lot of sense as well. So I hope that that's the case. I hope that Titanfall isn't dead forever because that would be a big disappointment. Titanfall 1 is good. Titanfall 2 is is phenomenal. I still say top 3 first-person campaign single player campaign of all fucking time yeah y'all can debate all you want but you'd be wrong if you don't even mention this in <laughs> don't the top do that three. don't you'd do that to people <laughs> you don't know nothing <laughs> let me answer the second part of that question no uh do you agree that titanfall 2's multiplayer was too intense to play you around um at times yeah i would say that <laughs> yeah. even for me as much as i loved it it was like god this is a lot this is like overload right but I, I will say to kind of go along with what we've been talking about with, you know, if we ever see them try their hand at making Titanfall 3 someday, here's what I think. I think Games of Service is ultimately going to, and I think we're starting to see it now, it's 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 going to start getting on people's nerves to the point where they just want, give me a good, like, one year of a great multiplayer game, maybe yeah. two years, like the old school days, right? Where multiplayer oh, yeah. games weren't built to last eight, nine, ten years, but they just were there to serve their purpose for a small chunk of your life. And move on. I can see people wanting something like that again. So while I think that Titanfall 2 was a little too intense at times, I think that there could be a palette for that again sometime, sometime down the road when people kind of get sick of having to play 
Destiny season thirty-five, you know, or you yeah. know, Apex Legends season 12, 209. <laughs> you know, like that's going to get old to people, and I think people yeah. are going to want something they can just kind of play and enjoy for what it is, and not have yeah. to invest in their their life into it like that. You know, they have they have a lot to work on on that because you know it's funny because Apex Legends is basically. Titanfall without the mechs in terms of its movements, uh, in terms of how it plays. Uh, so that's a form of mitigating the too intense. But nobody, nobody, including us, would be happy if Titanfall 3 multiplayer came out and it didn't have the the, the Titans the, the oh, yeah, available no, to play. On, no. Or if it was just the Titans and didn't have the ability to jump out of them. And, and So they kind of painted themselves into a corner where what made them unique, what made that game unique was the fact that it was at 11, jumping out the Titan, running up a thing, coming through the window, jumping out the window, jumping into a Titan, dropping, like, all that stuff is what made that unique. So taking any element of that out would have been kind of, like, not good for that franchise. So I think it's something you have to live with. Like you said, I think that once this game of service goes away, I think you can have a good eight strong months of Titanfall 3 multiplayer out there, everybody's playing it, and then, you know, and run it back with Titanfall, uh, Titanfall 4 or something. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, it is sad, but... Obviously, I think it summarized what both of us are saying. If it means you, you, you avoided a bad game, then okay. Hopefully, there's still a future, though. But yeah. if it's not right now, then it's not right now. That's fine. Um, last but not least, Pablo, we did miss this uh, this event because of our recording last week being on a Sunday. Ubisoft Forward did have uh, its showcase, uh, and we saw a couple of games there. Uh, I think just to kind of summarize briefly, we saw Avatar Front- Frontiers of Pandora, cinematic trailer, gameplay overview coming out December 7th. We saw that X Defiant is getting an open beta, um, actually coming up very soon in the next couple of days and it's launching this summer uh with some year one content already planned prince of persia the lost crown gameplay demonstration coming out january 28th assassin's creed mirage was shown story trailer gameplay demonstration and then of course star wars outlaws gameplay demonstration as well pablo um looking back at the ubisoft forward event uh, kind of just cherry pick talk, talk to me about what you thought about these games as you saw them and, and what's hitting you or what yeah. maybe isn't I think they brought some heat. I thought what they were kind of, uh, what they showed Avatar, I think, you know, in terms of like the overall, so what it is, it's a little derivative of uh, the open world uh, kind of uh, game that they usually do, but it looks really nice and it's Avatar and people who like Avatar, I'm sure this is uh, is good for them. It doesn't look like a complete disaster, which is good news. X Defiant, I, I played a lot of the closed betas. Uh, the last two they had, I played through them and I, th- I think X Defiant is really good i think it is them trying to compete with call of duty type of multiplayer stuff and i think that works because they're really listening to the to the audience and they're making the changes in a way that i feel uh is really going to be a positive for the game and i'm really looking forward to what exafiant showcases once it's completely out this summer uh prince of persia come on that game looked amazing. I know if you if you like Prince of Persia, uh, I think that this game kind of brings that kind of feeling, but on a 2D platform going back to 1989 in terms of when it originally first came out. I love everything they showed about uh, this game, and it is highly anticipated. Can't wait for it to come out January next year. Assassin's Creed Mirage, 
Can't wait to play that. That looks great. I think the demonstration they showed was was uh, it was unnecessary. A lot of the stuff we've seen before, it was just kind of like I don't need to see this whole breakdown. Like you showing me something new. Oh, you can throw a rock to to to, to you know to to make a guards uh, you know pay nah, attention man. somewhere Streets else. Like it's know. like who cares? But I can't wait to play that because it goes back to the to the roots, and I love the the old uh, Assassin's Creed. And then Star Wars Outlaw. What are you about to you do, me, Pablo? Don't be messy. Look, take away everything Star Wars from that, and I think it's a great looking open world game. And I don't think much else about it. I I, I look getting to the speeder bike and going down and and, and, and killing off some sword troopers. That's a great Star Wars moment. And I think that the game looks absolutely phenomenal. I like the aesthetic. I like that this game was seemingly made in this. So, you know, Star Wars was made in the 70s. And so the girl's hairdo is like someone from yeah. the 70s. They have the aesthetic down packed. It is, it is great. My problem is, is just that I, even after Survivor, even before going back to Survivor, I find that these games, these movies, these shows about Star Wars are best when they use Star Wars as a backdrop and then they tell the story that they want to tell at the forefront. And I feel like this is the opposite. Star Wars is in the forefront Hmm. uh, in terms of everything that they're showing. And then the story, I I mean, I don't, you know, the cute little animal thing. I didn't get that impression, though. I did because everything just felt like every moment of that game felt to me like oh Star Wars yeah fuck yeah (laughs) getting on the getting on the speed by oh shit the speeder oh shit that's Star Wars that's so new no one reacts like that that is uh, you know it's weird because I have the opposite reaction to this versus Jedi Survivor I think Jedi Survivor feels like Star Wars lightsabers fuck yeah Jedi's are back well I mean there's some of that you can't escape the Star Wars aesthetic well, that's that, what I'm but saying. I feel I mean, like can't. but but take away everything Star Wars about this game I just feel like it looks like a, um, a generic open world game but oh, next generic. gen yeah a, 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 but next gen because <laughs> let's not let's not let's not mince words here this game looks absolutely amazing oh I know beautiful graphically let's not Insane. get that let's get that straight uh, but in terms of like what it is when we talk about Avatar Frontiers of, of of Pandora, where it's like this looks really good, but it does look like Far Cry in Pandora, right? Oh, that was Far, and, yeah, Far Cry Atar, yeah, yeah, for it that, that looks like that. And this doesn't look like that, this looks different from what Ubisoft has done in the past, but it, it isn't exactly new in, in terms of the its approach to its open world. Uh, I, I, the look. I'm, I might eat my words here next year uh, when this game comes out. I, you know, this massive uh, was it what's what's the studio? Massive, massive studios. Yeah, massive. yeah I, they they're really good at what they do when it comes to specifically like gunplay gun and gameplay. So I'm looking forward to 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 that in a way. But at the same time, people were really losing their minds over this, and I kind of felt like this is cool, man. But this is this ain't it for me. Like it, it's just not the it's not the it wasn't like the 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 thing like the game of the show for me well, well i guess it, it is by default but it wasn't like the game of the of the summer game fest a lot of people were like your favorite game oh it's between starfield and, and star wars outlaws i'm like really like it's not even fucking close i don't to see me. that being crazy i know i know i listen i and i understand i'm the outlier i guess but everything i saw you know the most impressive stuff about that game was the graphical fidelity you know that was the most impressive thing about the game, uh, and but other than that, I just was like, "This looks cool. 
I'm kind of sick of Star Wars. This seems very Star Wars heavy. A lot of the stuff going on. The little cutie companion. You know, they always do that now with the Grogu, which is, you know, the, the baby Yoda. That's like, it's, it's that's, that's the formula for Star Wars now. And I feel like this follows that formula a little too much for me. But okay. that's kind of where I stand on it. Yeah, so let me run through these games real quick. Uh, yeah, Av- Avatar, man. That was booty hole. That was, <laughs> it's beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful booty hole, but it's <laughs> but it's still a booty hole. But it's a little booty hole. When doodoo comes out, I don't want no parts of that, man. I don't want no parts. Girl, that's of a it. beautiful booty hole, but it's still a booty hole. Hey, listen, that's all I'm saying. It was a frontiers of sphincter. That's what that was. Damn, um, that's disgusting. X defiant. Um, this is like it, it's like it's almost like how many betas is it? Will it take? To get to the center of this game and just, what is it going to take for the? Okay, it's coming out this summer. I don't even believe that. I, but look, if you if you play the first beta and you play the second beta, there's huge differences. What they're doing is they're trying to get this right to the point where I feel like when it does come out, I think it'll benefit. Because when you look at what's the other game that Ubisoft came out, the Battle Royale game, Hyperscape. Um, Typerscape that had like one and a half beta, and then it came out, and then it died on the vine. It was just not. It was just wasn't ready for prime time, and I think that that game could have been. It just so many things felt wrong about it, and I think the first beta of X Defiant felt a little bit off. The second one felt really good. So there's there, what I think what they're trying to do here is they're trying to make the next siege type of thing in terms of longevity, and I think that they're really taking their time with it. And I I can appreciate them when it comes to that specifically. But you're right. It seems like the, a, a lot of stuff happening before this game even comes out. So we'll see if it even comes out this summer. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I'll, I'll definitely play it. I'll, I'll play the open beta. I will play the open beta. Okay, I'll good. be on that. We'll play it. Let's yeah. play that. Uh, Pablo's been ducking me on on the Diablo forefront, but maybe he'll play Watch games this, with me again. Maybe he'll play games that. with it's me again. When you play a multiplayer game, uh, two or three games set. But if I felt like Diablo, yeah, we got to sit down and have a session for Diablo. We can't just play 15, 20, 30 minutes and then just be out. It just feels like we didn't do anything. So it, my schedule's been crazy. I, I'm there still, with the schedule. I talk. still want to play Diablo 4 with you online. So we got to figure that out. He don't, he don't mean it. Uh, all right, look. Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown. Pablo thinks this is a Marco-ass game because of the, the Metroidvania Hell aspects yeah, to boy. it. yeah, boy. It is not, ladies and gentlemen. It this is. is not it for me. I'm not a Prince of Persia fan. I'm never gonna be. I just I don't like the. I, I just don't like the IP. I don't. I'm sorry. I like the I know, Sands of Time like- when it came out on PS2 era. Like that was cool because of the rewind mechanic. I have never liked this franchise. Never. Yeah, but I think I think that this is different enough, and it it, it resembles more like the Hollow Knights and even the, no. the Dreads no. in terms of. Yeah, I'm not talking about quality or like it's going to be as good. I'm just talking about like the Metroidvania uh, aspect Mm-mm. of it is so prevalent here. I would feel I feel like I got to buy you this game so you can I don't, play it. I, won't, I got to. I won't play it. You got to play it. You got to play don't, it. I hate, the, I hate all the timing, like the timing stuff with all the traps and stuff like that. I am not oh, trying to play finger gymnastics with this game. I'm sorry. I know that's and I know that's Prince of Persia. I'm not saying it shouldn't be there. But that ain't me. I am not trying to get frustrated trying to play an obstacle course. That's not Metroidvania for me. That's, January, that's just that's like a jungle gym game. And I, ain't I think that. the first episode, no, the th- second episode of February, we look forward to Marco eating some crow on uh, Prince of Persia: The Lost Crown. Oh, you you better get your fork and spoon out for Star Wars Outlaws. <laughs> all right, you better. Oh, I, I, I'm willing. I, if that game is amazing, it's great. But I'm telling you, I'm gonna throw that that thing in the air fryer. 
Um, Assassin's Creed, <laughs> Assassin's Creed Mirage. I was really excited about this. This looked good to me. Um, yeah. I'm getting tired of the Middle East setting, though, bro. I'm getting tired of it. We Man. haven't been there such a while. Uh, I know, but it just feels like it's a Ubisoft thing to do for some reason. It's like ah, uh, everything's got to be sandy. Like the Prince of Persia is. It, it, then you got this. It's like what the. I think uh, I will agree. I think that you didn't have to go to the root of uh, an Assassin's Creed game and to the point where you go right back to the Middle East. Like you could have done it yeah, somewhere exactly. else and still done this. I agree with that. I, I do. But I, I, there's something about that visual aesthetic when you're playing this and it's like, it just feels like, oh no. man, Assassin's Creed is back the way I like Assassin's Creed. No, I want it in Italy. That's what I want. Italia. Ezio. Uh, Star Wars Outlaws. Let's talk about it. All right. Pablo is came into the show just deciding to be a diabolical hater. That's what he decided to do. He ain't got no love in his heart today. It's supposed to be Father's Day time. He's supposed to be feeling good, but he's out here being a mess. Um, as I said earlier at the start of the show, I'm not, you know, just too many Star Wars games just kind of get on my nerves, right? So when I, when I heard about this game coming out, I'm like, all right, fine. The rumors are true. Here it is, and I'm watching this game, and I'm, I'm in full-blown hater mode. My face is scrunched, Pablo. I'm like, good for you. Man, okay. Here's a pen. Oh, that looked kind of cool. All right. Well, well, that. Oh, well, that looked kind of. Wow, wow. That environment looks pretty good. Oh, damn. That was look. That looked pretty fun. Oh my. Whoa. You get in the ship and you can go right into space and there's no loading. Whoa. Damn. And there's a dog fight in it. And it. It was that like progression of like being a hater to like. Oh, this might be. This might be good. Right. Ooh. I will say. I teased this when we were talking about Starfield. I would be stunned if this game has a performance mode. This is one of those games to me that's like, I can't see that happening. I cannot. That was 30, right? That was 30. That was, yeah, that was, that was yeah, yeah. definitely 30 frames. And I could see them going for the same reasons. And I, I forgot to mention it during the Starfield segment. But Starfield gave a lot of these companies the, the blueprint on how to communicate why a game's <laughs> got to be 30 frames now. Well, you know, when you look at our scope and our vision for the game and how expansive our world is, we felt like it was the best. They're going to steal the words right out of Todd's mouth. Guarantee it. And this is going to be one yeah. of those examples. I'm willing to bet. I'm willing to bet my doubloons on this. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. So I will say a game like this could prove like how incredible Starfield is because if if this doesn't even have this, I don't think and that's not if through no fault of its own it's just that Starfield is doing something completely different but if this doesn't have half the stuff that you can do in Starfield which it probably won't and it's still running at 30 but the fact that you know Starfield is at a lock 30 yeah. that's going to just it, it time is just going to be so kind to, to Starfield I feel uh, uh, once these other games start dropping at 30 frames as well yeah that's a good point that's a good point all right, Pablo. Well, that is going to do it for hit points this week, but it is time to get to the main event of the show that we call the Checkpoint Chat. Let's get started. It's time for the Checkpoint Chat. All right, so we covered the games we're playing. We covered all the, the news and, and headlines going on. Now it's time for a little bit of a get to know me and Mark. Uh, me and Marco. Wow. That's how wow. Me, myself, me and I. Me and myself and I. And Pablo's here too uh, in spirit. Uh, but no, this is a good get to no, know us here, session. Uh, all right, you know, just checking. But uh, nevertheless, 
um, you know, me and Pablo, um, you know, we've, we've been, we've been doing this gaming thing for a long time. And, and I don't know if you've ever done this before, Pablo, but like no. ranking franchises, uh, holistically has never been something I've done. And you and me love our lists. We love lists. Oh, so yeah. I thought this would be a fun little exercise to take a break from all the current zeitgeist and, you know, just kind of step back, think about, you know, our, our history with games and, uh, actually, you know, come up with a top 10 of our favorite franchises ever. Um, now, like I always say, this is Marco's opinions and Pablo's opinions. There's going to be franchises that you're going to listen to us talk about. And you're going to go, why is that a top? That's not a top 10. Relax. All right. It's just our tastes. It's our preferences. You got your list. We got ours. If you want to fight, I'll give you Pablo's address. You can come see him. Wait a minute. No, because mine's going to be perfect. Um, oh, so, I see what you mean. So uh, what me and Pablo are going to do is we're going to go round robin here, uh, walking you through our 10th uh, favorite franchise all the way up to our number one spots and uh, just give you a little brief reasons as to why uh, those franchises mean so much to us and some of the standout things about those franchises that we think uh, back on, uh, which are why they made the cut. Um, Pablo, so I'm going to go ahead and start over uh, with you, if you don't mind, to give nope, us... Yeah. Uh, first of all, I don't know why you took Borderlands out of your top 10. I put that on well, your I, list. I, you got to stop spreading these rumors, man. <laughs> I'd rather you say like some crazy shit, like I voted for Trump, than you say that I like Borderlands, <laughs> man. Come on now. But, uh, don't our, lie on my name. I created a docket for the show. And I, I, I put the 10 through one spots in there and I, I figured I'd, you know, I just put Borderlands at number one for him. I thought I'd do, I thought I'd help him out. He's been talking about how busy he is, y'all. So I was trying to help my, my, my man get, get his list together Hell. and this is what he does to me. Uh, all right, no. go ahead, go ahead, man. Give me, give me your number 10. Give me number 10. My number 10 is Super Smash Bros. It's the most engaging and satisfying fighting and like party game experience ever. Like characters from all over video games, Mario to Solid Snake to Zelda to Rob the Robot, all here. And they're pretty much just there for you to beat the shit out of each other oh. and and have a great time doing it it's it, it's it's also it's just like it's a deceptively deep fighting game but it has probably the most simple barrier to entry of any fighting game out there like it's really simple in terms of getting the getting used to how you actually play it and you can actually get really good at it just playing just bait on a basic level but you can really get into the nitty-gritty of it and really uh do some really crazy shit off this stuff i love smash brothers it is it is my favorite fighting game of all time and you know when fighting games get announced it's for me it's not so exciting but with smash bros or new smash bros gets announced whatever it's basically like it could just be the next zelda game or i just i have it in that reverence here it's just so an incredible uh experience to play these games and i love them all i think ultimate is the ultimate is going to be one of the hard games to beat like i don't know how you can go from ultimate into the next game because i mean everybody ever is is, yeah. is 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 in ultimate so but yeah number 10 super smash bros real quick pablo before i go mm -hmm. Sakurai calls you. He says, mm -hmm. hey, Pablo, I'm willing to put one more character in this game. You can pick whoever whoever it's going to be. I said me. Put me in the game. All right. See, I, my no, number no, I, 10. I, no, I would say, um, you know, I would say Master Chief. All right. Yeah. That's, I would, that's where I would that's, go. I, 
Master Chief, come on, I think he would fit perfectly into it, and I think that that would be just a really dope ass. Like, just kind of figuring out the aesthetic and how he would play, I think he works perfectly. Yeah, but no one, no one Microsoft, they give us, like, the rights to the Master Chief from, like, the Halo TV show, which would be terrible. Jesus uh, Christ, where he fucks, his ultimate he fucks. <laughs> Master Cheeks. Uh, <laughs> all right, my number 10, Pablo, we talked about the series, actually, just a little while back. Uh, that is Titanfall, man. Titanfall cracked my top 10. Um, Titanfall 1, to me, was one of the most addicting games I've ever played. It's crazy it didn't have story mode or anything like that, but man, that, that gameplay was revolutionary. It influenced a lot of other games that, that came out after it. Uh, with the sci-fi twist, Call of Duty had a lot of years of trying mm-hmm. to do wall running and copying what Titanfall was doing. And then Titanfall 2 came around and just set the bar so high with one of the best uh, single-player campaigns I've ever played. Uh, really, in general, and in first-person shooter history. Uh, and then you couple that with, I think, the, one of the best multiplayers I've ever played in my life. And it was just obvious this had to crack my top 10, even though, obviously, they've moved on to Apex <laughs> Legends. Uh, it still doesn't change the fact that Titanfall has been a massive part of uh, my gaming lineage, which is why it made the cut. But uh, let's yeah. go ahead and move on. Number nine, Pablo, what do you got there? Yeah, it's Deus Ex. Yeah, immersive sims are common these days, perhaps more than ever, but when they revitalize this uh, franchise with Human Revolution, uh, just the art style, the characters, the story, add another layer uh, to that already impressive immersive sim element. The Victorian futuristic noir uh, elements are are amazing. Adam Jensen is like a modernized 1940s noir detective ripped right out of those old like cognitive films. It's just, it's everything that I like about film and, and, and art and all put in together into this incredible package that is Deus Ex. And I hope to God that there's more of these games because Human Revolution, Mankind Divided, love those games. I even liked Invisible War when it came out back in the day in Xbox. I know now, I'm a, I, I know now that I'm a better person. I know that game sucks, uh, yeah. but uh, but man, uh, these especially these last two games just really just amazing games, and I want more. Rumors that we'll get more, so I'm excited for that. Yeah. All right. Well, my number nine, Pablo, is The Witcher. Um, man, uh, the the story of Geralt is just incredible. The 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 side characters, the companions, are unforgettable. Um, you know the 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 way that narrative um, latched itself onto me. And, um, you know, as time went on, it just looking back on that on that game, especially three, it just got better and better and better in my brain narratively because of, you know, how few games since it came out has ever been able to match it. Um, You know, the continuity between the three games, the fact that, you know, uh, we're we're thankfully getting a remake of the first game, uh, which I think will be huge for uh, the legacy of the games. uh, That is that's going to be a big deal, man. And so. I think Witcher is is just an extraordinary tale. Um, it is one of the rare examples of high fantasy or dark fantasy, whatever you call it, that I, I really get into. Both is yeah. naturally, I just I'm not a big fan of fantasy games like that. I don't I don't deal with them too well. Uh, they yeah. all just kind of come across the same to me. And I felt like The Witcher was a real exception because of the amount of personality is in that yeah. game uh, in more ways than one. So that that had to be on my list as my number nine. Yeah, which um, is a top is a top five game for me all time. Which the three is? It's just when it comes to franchises, I'm not. I don't have a lot of experience with with the entire franchise. But once one or it comes around with that remake, and mm. hopefully we get two remade, this is gonna be in my top ten list. No, no doubt about it. It's it just better. I have not experienced those games like that. Um, my number eight is Mass Effect. Now, I, I feel Mass Effect is one of those rare games that it it, it 
the sci-fi element is in that aesthetic. It's like ingrained. It is uh, is world building at its finest. But and then on top of that, you emphasize relationships of uh, of with with like the lead characters in that game, and your choices matter. But really, it's not even about that. But it's 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 a corny. But it's about the the relationships that you make throughout the journey, and how specifically in in Mass Effect Two, all that comes together in 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 a way that no game has really been able to replicate, even though many have tried since. Um, my, my thing with it being at number eight is the fact that it is um, a game more about part two, you know, about one game in the series. I liked one. I think three was okay as well. But that's why it's not a little higher. But it is it, 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 that whole game, that whole series, and what it does with, 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 with its world building and, and its characters and then just Master, uh, um, not Master Chief, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Commander Shepard is just, it's amazing. It really is amazing. And it's, it's, Bioware's crowning jewel and they've been lost toys since then and I and I really hope that they bring it back because man have they lost their way in a big lost way. Toys. Yeah, they lost because they we find them somewhere underneath the couch and they'll be all dusty, but oh, they'll no. be back. All right. They'll be back. <laughs> all right, man. Well my number eight, uh you actually had it uh, as your number nine. My number eight is Deus Ex. Um you know, I didn't I wasn't really uh big on the original when it first came out, because I wasn't a PC gamer at the time. Yeah. And by the time it came to PS2, um, I just didn't care. I'll be honest. I just wasn't too interested. And I thought the name was weird. I didn't even know how to say it at the time, because I was an idiot. Um, but when the re- well, what, what you, Go ahead. What'd you say? <laughs> I, I, I definitely called it Deuce EX. <laughs> oh, man. Nobody likes you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, was, I, I know. I had my flaws. At least I admit them, you know? What'd you call him? Adam Jeanson? Get out of here. Jeanson? <laughs> Damn. Who what's that? Who my revolution? <laughs> <laughs> Shit, Captain. All right. Um yeah, but look, Deus Ex to me uh is an extraordinary uh franchise that and yeah. I've said this in the past, it is um uh, it, it replaced Metal Gear for me for a number of years. And really it kinda did ever since uh Human Revolution came out because Facts. where where you know, for the stealth genre I mean where yeah. Metal Gear was kind of faltering in my in my brain, Deus Ex kind of came up and, and compensated for that. Now, albeit it's an immersive sim, which you know Metal Gear is not, but I think just in spirit, you know, having that stealth option, being able to creep around and you know do your thing that way, it, to me, and then the branching paths, the different options that you had to tackle missions, like to me, that was um, pretty mind blowing for me. And in a world which you know, I'm Cyberpunk McGee, and so that world, man. Even though it was piss yellow, filter all over it. Yeah, I didn't, yeah, yeah. I didn't care one bit. That I was like a, that. I like the vibe. It was awesome, and uh, I love Mankind Divided. Wish it wasn't, you know, technically unfinished the way we've talked about in the past. Yeah. For those you don't know, but even then, it's still an awesome game, and I hope it comes back too because man, that the, the narrative there, and that's really been a through line for a lot of my list is like narrative stuff to me, uh, and this is one of the the shining examples of that by far. Think about that. Think about a game that released unfinished and it's still a banger. Like, come on, man, that's crazy. I, I'd love a, a a new entry, but what if they just did two again with all the content they cut? That I'd, I'd be good with that too. I want a Deus Ex collection. Oh fuck, man. Jeez. Oh my god, I would love that. Um, <laughs> don't man, know why he I did back that. in his chair. Eyes rolled back. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, I did the the, the Vince McMahon. Uh, but uh, my my number seven is The Last of Us, uh, regarded as the best video game narratives ever. And the truth is, that's probably true. Two games in the series, and both are some of the most brutal yet really interesting, loving moments and emotional. One of the most emotional experiences in video games I've ever had to date. What it lacks in its gameplay innovation, it makes up for it in expertly crafted narratives, and that's something that. Obviously, I, I'm on record. I'm a sucker for those things. But man, what what when we talk about stories in video games, a lot of times we're talking about, you know, a lot of the games we're going to mention on this list. But when it comes to like real fucking tapping into the emotionality of human beings yep. in a dire, fucked up situation, nobody does it better than Last of Us. And those games are just experiences to be to 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 be to be played and just to kind of be appreciated for, for, for time and time again, you know, it's, I cannot wait to see what they do here with more. I I was always against part two because I felt like the last of us was such a unique and, 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 just amazing experience that I felt like two would tarnish that, and it doesn't. It it just expands on that world and that story, and I feel like there's there's a there's a room for three to 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 continue that, and I feel if they figure that out, this could go down as one of the best narrative uh, franchises. Period. Even though it might already be that, it's just like with a bullet, it would be at, at, if the next game is that great. But love the Last of Us, and that's where I'm at with it. In number seven, which one's your favorite game out of the two, Pablo? Oh man, I go back and forth because I, I, I think one I is easy. Right now, yeah, one is easy to say one, but I think with time, I think two is is for me the just the better game overall. And I guess I would pick. I, I guess I'd still go one, just because it's kind of the game that that started it all. But man, two is so fucking good. Yeah, and yeah, two is the better game. I think one is still going to be my favorite game at, at heart. Yeah, uh, for yeah. me, um, coming in at my number seven, Pablo is. Persona. Um, Persona is so cool, man. That is just like yep. the coolest JRPG franchise I've ever seen. It is oozing with style, flair. The music is always incredible. I can, man, <laughs> some of the songs on there, man, are just, it's an incredible like fusion of like jazz and like this up tempo stuff. And like there's like little hip hop elements in there too and weird strings and stuff. And you think that, that, there's no way that's going to work. And they just figure out a way to make it work. Um, yeah. I love the, uh, the the RPG mechanics. I love the the dialogue. I think the only reason why it's not higher up is because I think a lot of the games kind of have a similar template. Um, yeah. And they, they kind of rehash a lot of the same elements. And that's part of the charm and the signature persona. So I don't mind it. But I wish that there was a little bit more variety there. But other than that, I think that, you know, I've always said I think Persona 5 pound for pound might be the best JRPG ever made. There's there's certain uh, JRPGs that do certain things better than Persona 5, but I think holistically, Mm -hmm. 5 to me still stands, or maybe even Persona 4 Golden still stands as like the elite JRPGs that do almost everything perfectly uh, with very little, um, you know, screw ups there. But uh, that's why it's at my number seven. But uh, let's move on to your number six. My number six is Dark Souls. I think I I said it. If The Last of Us lacked gameplay innovation but made up for it with story, I think that this is a polar opposite of that. Where the story is 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 non-existent in a lot of these games, but the gameplay is just superb. It's punishing series that rewards patience and precise combat know-how. And I know that the difficulty of these games that are turned off for some people. I absolutely get it. I I really do. But I feel like for me. 
uh, this is the most exhilarating experience I've had in any in for any game. Dark Souls one. Um, two to an extent three uh, uh, you know Elder um, Elden Ring like these are just like just the, the feeling you get when all those things you've learned through trial and error come together to defeat a boss or get through an area there's nothing that matches that feeling in any game I've played full stop period and that I mean, these games are just—they're—they're they're amazing, and, and what they do here is so unique, and and uh, by evidence the fact that everybody's trying to emulate, and basically none of them can 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 nail it, is 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 a great. Uh, um, it's it's just it just shows you how great Dark Souls is as a series, uh, and I cannot and I, and, I, and I when I say Dark Souls, I just mean Souls like because I I'm encompassing even Elden Ring into all of this just because I know it's not oh, the same that's thing. Oh, cheating, Pablo. That's no, no, no. Cheating. But I, I mean, I, I would still put Dark Souls. Because just one and three are just okay. absolutely amazing. It still would be here. I just, you know, I, the thing about putting Elden Ring in the list as just the one-off is is kind of for right now. I'm not gonna put it there just yet. But yeah, Dark Souls in terms of the gameplay, which emulated throughout all those other games, I I love it. It's amazing, and I think Dark Souls is is still underappreciated and underrated mm. in, in in a lot of circles, in my opinion. All right, sorry for another sub question, but real quick. Yeah. Rank one, two, and three in order from best to worst. Three, one, two. Three, one, two. There yeah, I think two, it. I think two is, is they try to do a little I think two they try to make a little more go a little more commercial with the success of one. Okay. Uh, and I feel like it just doesn't it's still very good. Some of the best bosses in, in any of the Dark Souls games. But I think three is the, the, the best of the series. One is still very it's amazing and two is, is still good. They're all good, but it's three one two. Bar none. That was easy. Easy question. I passed the test. I'm the best. Okay, Ho. <laughs> um, my number six is Silent Hill. Um, I'm a survival horror lover, man. I, I, I grew up with that genre. It, I am so fortunate to have been able to play a lot of them. You know, especially in their heyday, probably around the PS2 era, where a lot of you know a lot of them were coming out. But Silent Hill to me just has an aesthetic that is uh, is hard to beat, man. The fog, it's just signature. Um, Akira Yamoka's music, just classic stuff. I still have that stuff on my Spotify playlist to this day. And of course, you know, the immersion and the creep factor um, that I think just really won me over. And it was one of the most unsettling franchises I've ever played in my life because it, it didn't do the typical horror stuff. It didn't try to yeah. beat you over the head with jump scares. It 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 what it mastered was like the the things it never explained to you never bothered to explain what the hell pyramid head was it just here's somebody with a pyramid ass head here's you know and it's he's damn near impenetrable so this is here you go and it's it and your mind starts connecting dots and you know things like that and and then you have like the very human stories that came from like the silent hill twos and stuff like that so man i'm so glad this franchise is on the the comeback uh trail and um i can't wait to see what what new age silent hill does but man those classics in the ps2 era even the og one on the ps1 i think was just uh, absolutely sensational and and um you know definitely defined me as a gamer for sure yeah well let's get into top five territory then pablo let's do that what do you got at number yeah. five man my number five is mario bros and that's the mainline mario games the franchise that made me fall in love with gaming with mario has spread out to tons of spin-offs and even movies now uh but those mainline mario games are always top-notch platforming experiences that no one and i and i feel like 
I feel this is true that no one can touch uh, even when uh, on their best day. I think when it comes to platforming, a lot of games emulate or try to be what Mario is. And I think that Mario always uh, does the thing that we expect him to do, but there's always the level design aspect of it that, that, that kind of makes Mario that next level platformer. I also like the fact that how it's so easy, it's another game that's very uh, easy to access and play, but as an adult, I can enjoy the challenges, the stars that you may not need to finish the game, going back to that and, and, and getting those stars, even even recently going back to N64, uh, Mario 64, and, and playing those. And, and, and oh, I remember I used to struggle to get there and then not it'd be that much of a struggle. Those are, it's just by design. They, they know what they're doing. They got every, it's just, it's just beautifully made game year, Every time that the mainline comes out, it's been quite a while since we had one since Galaxy, but I cannot wait for the next one. But I, I love it, man. They, they, they know what they're doing with this franchise, and, and Nintendo is just always firing at a hundred percent when it comes to this. At yeah. number five, Mario Bros. Okay. Well, my number five, Pablo. I'm actually staying in survival horror territory here because I got Resident Evil at the five spot. Um, Silent Hill and Resident Evil were fighting for a while on this list for, for to, to, to come up on top. But I think what won me over Resident Evil is just seeing what modern day Resident Evil has become. Because it got spooky for a while with Resident Evil. Six was was god-awful. I didn't like five too much. And then they get a lot of the weird spin-off light gun games. And it just got really watered down and weird. But the remakes to me in particular... Um, and coupled with, you know, like Village and whatnot, I think that's really shown to me that this franchise has kind of course corrected and that mm-hmm. more importantly, in contrast to Silent Hill, they've gotten the gameplay part down. Um, Silent Hill's biggest problem, to go back there real briefly, was that it was really stiff. It was really wonky to play. Yeah. And that's a lot of old school, you know, jank for sure. But I think Resident Evil had that problem too, but they figured out a way out of that. Yeah. Thanks yeah. to Shinji Mikami, you know, innovating with the over the shoulder perspective now, which has become such a standard in gaming. Uh, and I think that ever since then, I think f- uh, the, the Resident Evil series has been, um, you know, really top tier in giving you the, 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 the thrills and chills of, of survival horror, but with um, gameplay that actually feels good. You know, and and so I think even when they went first person, I didn't hate it because it didn't feel good. I just it didn't feel natural to me as a Resident Evil like diehard. But even then, it still felt like good to play. So I I think the gameplay of 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 RE has always been, uh, with very few exceptions, very very good. And that's why I had to propel it over Silent Hill in my rankings. But yeah, my number five is Resident Evil, man. Quick question: with Village being so good, um, what what's your expectations for the? a new mainline Resident Evil. Is it first person? Is that is that where you think we should keep going down since Village is so great? Or should we take it right back to, to like it's over the shoulder type? Uh, well, I, th- I think Capcom has already said that they're done with the first person games now. So I think okay. that's, that's done. But what I will say is that I think, yeah, over the shoulder is the way to go. I think at the end of the day, the fir- it's tough because I understand like for VR immersion. purposes and immersion, it first person does work to a certain extent, but I think it's just better to, you know, be over the shoulder because a lot of the, a yeah. lot of what makes that game so special is the Leon S. Kennedys of the world. It's the Chris Redfields. Yeah. It's the characters we've, we've kind of grown up with and you want to see them on screen when you're playing as them, you know? <laughs> That's true. Um, Nobody's really going to be t- thinking or th- uh, about Alex Winters uh, much, yeah. or Ethan. Ethan Winters, yeah. Ethan oh, Winters. Ethan. Ethan Winters, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. But that's that's why it's at my number five spot. But uh, let's go on ahead to your number four, man. 
Number four is Fallout. Yeah, no, I love Fallout. <laughs> that I mean, was listen, the dumbest way to say that game. <laughs> Fallout, wait, let's go, baby. No, but that's what makes unique <laughs> games, man. They, they, <laughs> they really do. But uh, Fallout is just. It's a franchise that offers unique experiences when it comes to its world, its story, even the companions that it throws at you, just the things that it makes you do, the the environment. Everything about Fallout is 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 so so uniquely Fallout that there even games that are immersive sims that try to be like Fallout. They have you know you got the the outer worlds. They have definitely some things down packed to it, but it, it is missing something. You know, with the exception of New Vegas, which Obsidian also made, which nailed that aesthetic pretty accurately. Uh, I, I just think Fallout is just it's just it's not only it's not only like an interesting RPG, but it's just a fun game to play and kind of lose yourself in that world. Uh, yeah, and I think a lot of things have been said about the story where like go find your son and then you spend ninety hours doing something completely different. Uh, <laughs> You know, like trying to become a yeah. Minuteman for the militia, like, like shit like it doesn't have any bearing in, in terms of finding your son. But I just those experiences in those moments that, that you, you fall into. Uh, haha, I get it. Uh, Don't do and that. Don't it, do that. Skip. It, that was a mistake, but it, it worked really well. Um, <laughs> you fall into it. Just it's just it's a unique experience. And that's why I'm so excited for 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 Starfield and and, and to a certain to to a varying degree, Elder Scrolls six, because I just like what they do with these games and it's so uniquely it's they're so unique in their own in their own uh, perspective that i i just love playing fallout games it's just an amazing it's just an amazing experience and i'm is it it didn't make your top 10 no it was one it was it was fighting for the 10 spot to be honest with you but uh ultimately titanfall is just it's it's too close to my heart man too close yeah i got you um all right so that was your number four my number four pablo is final fantasy um Final Fantasy's had some rough patches over the years, but by and large, Final Fantasy has really made Japanese RPGs um, a mainstay genre. Um, I look at the history of JRPGs and I wonder if if we would care as much about them if not for Final Fantasy existing. And I don't know if we would. I, I, I wonder if, if JRPGs would have faded out or if they wouldn't be what 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 they were ultimately uh thanks to final fantasy kind of paving the way and becoming that commercial success that that it was but even you know outside of the commercial talk i think the games the stories the characters the memorable moments um the turn-based combat the transition into action-based combat and um you know just the the prevailing sense of quality and polish even even during the rough patches um, those were polished rough patches for the franchise. Right. So there's always been a, a, a you know, a, a sheen of, of polish and care yep. put into these games. Um, and, you know, it, and it's a tall order to make unique games every single time, you know, with very few sequels that are direct sequels to the, to the games themselves. So it takes a lot of work to continuously reinvent yourself game over game and still be just as big of a deal to people uh, every installment, you know? Final Fantasy VIII is a very different game than Final Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy IX is a very different game than VIII. Yet somehow, through those drastic changes, game over game, 
Final Fantasy has continued to capture people's hearts, and I was one of those people from the PlayStation 1 era. Granted, I, I was too young to get into them during the Super Nintendo days. I caught up to speed with a lot of those games after the fact, but you know, from, from the early days on, man, a big part of my gaming lineage is Final Fantasy related, and that's because those games just were incredible stories with incredible gameplay. And the way they're coming back is so so amazing. Comeback is not yeah, it's no joke right now. I mean, the comeback is strong right now, but uh, yeah. didn't crack my top three unfortunately. But speaking of which, let's get into top three territory, Pablo. Starting yeah. with you, number three is Red Dead. Uh, for, we've talked a lot, at least on my list, about immersive experiences. What makes Red Dead different from that is that it is a curate. It's a carefully handcrafted, curated. Uh, um, immersive experience. These games aren't about the player changing the world with your actions, but rather the world around you changing and your player re- and your player reacting to that. From John Marston to, to Arthur Morgan, the things that are happening around them kind of inform what they do next. And I, I just when you put you putting the shoes on of, of an outlaw in this world that seemingly you can do anything you want. Uh, to varying degree it's just it's amazing and i think that was specifically with two they, they've really went full bore into that experience where that really pushed back a lot of people was like man this game is boring like a lot of people had that sentiment because a lot of slow paced moments a lot of just kind of meandering because that's what you did in the wild west and and, and just certain moments that that weren't about shooting up these 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 a random town even though you can do that like it was just more or less about arthur morgan uh, you know dutch vanderlyn that whole entire gang and, and the very intimate story told and in a very intimate way it, it's just it's just such a well done game through and through that it, 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 these games are just they're amazing i mean the ending of red dead is iconic and then red dead and then red dead 2 even that ending is, is, is amazing uh, onto itself and what you do in the in the and the epilogue it's it's so good man they're they, those games are so amazing it's it's so hard because it, it's really uh i wanted to for this to be like number two but i just couldn't do it but i love red dead to death and i can't wait for more uh, and the next 20 years we'll get another uh, red dead i'm sure <laughs> well for the longtime fans of the show pablo i have one simple request can you please say the word black lung black lung <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much uh coming in at my number show. three show. Oh, all right that's all i needed you didn't have to keep going so he gets he gets red dead Tourette's, ladies and gentlemen and he just starts blurting <laughs> stuff out don't go with anything well, well, I thought you were going to come at me with your Dutch Vanderlyn. No, I can't, I can't lose my voice like that. <laughs> so stupid. Um, I used to be able to do a John Marston, but I, that blew my larynx out. Uh, man, I, I can't believe the actor. When you hear him talk, you're like, man, how your how your vocal cords not just shot to the hell, man? I think he just ate sandpaper to prepare for that role, and he just went God for it. Um, all right, my number three, Pablo. I got The Last of Us. At the three spot. Um, You said it earlier. I'll say it now. I think it's one of the most powerful stories uh, we've ever seen in video games, bar none. Uh, The Joel and Ellie relationship is so not prototypical when it comes to the buddy game type of system, right? Or even like the the parent or slash guardian and child type of thing. Um, we've seen games come out after the fact that try to do what they did uh, at, at, at Naughty Dog, and they just can't come close to it. And that's because they, they truly created two of the most iconic characters, I think, in PlayStation history and really in yeah. gaming in general. Talking about people that felt human in what is a very exaggerated, 
uh, post-apocalyptic, you know, zombie-ish kind of world, you, you kind of tell yourself, well, that's going to just be some campy-ass game. And instead, it was more about, it, w- it was less about the outbreak and it was more about the people and um, the connections that you build with them along the way uh, throughout both of those games and the uh, Left Behind DLC uh, with, yeah. with Ellie. Um, it's, it's, it was so tough putting it at number three, but, um, it's just a testament to how awesome video games are to, to, for, for, for franchises like this to be at a, at a number three spot. But, um, I think, you know, what put it at three for me is there are some issues that I had with some of the, the, you know, the, the, the fates of some characters. I don't want to get into too much detail there, but um, you know, I think some of that to me felt a little expedited, and and, and that kind of threw, to me, it threw the franchise in a bit of a, a state of flux for a while. That I'm really curious to see what they're going to do in three to compensate that. But I will say that I love the chances that they took in in um, not putting plot armor around everybody, and that, and I was. You know, no one's no one's too sacred to get to, to get the <laughs> to get the bullet, you know, or whatever. And and to your point, uh I would say I think that Drunkman and, and, and others agree because rumor is, and I won't spoil it, but rumor is that season two, a fate of a specific character might not happen at all or be there delayed to, to so like it's kinda like, oh, okay, interesting, because I, I felt like that was what they wanted to do from the jump, and now it feels like Maybe it's a testament to, to Pedro Pascal's performance, but still, yeah. you know, if you're willing to make that change that quickly, you, you know, know, you know, something was a little off maybe, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, um, I won't, I won't lay into it too much. Last of Us is just incredible. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's probably one of my most replayed franchises ever, uh, between the first two games and I plan on playing the last of us part two again sometime this year if i can i do um, too actually i thought about that too yeah yeah i'm, I'm probably gonna circle back to it it's, it's it's just that damn good man i can't it really help is. it but uh let's get into number twos pablo go ahead and take us off with number two that's metal gear baby uh it's a franchise it's a unique franchise because it's so intrinsically attached to its creator hideo kojima and almost feels impossible the franchise is going to go on without him but it looks like it will but for now for what we have when kojima gives a shit these games are next level and i'm talking about metal gear solid one two three these games take politics espionage technology military and it mixes it up to give you this this perfect cocktail of weird but interesting and just these moments with gameplay and 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 these specifically with three certain boss fights and certain fates of certain characters and how that sets up all the franchise and just all those dots being connected in such an amazing way when he gives a shit it really works out i mean when you really think about it those things alone espionage technology military politics all those things on their own you can botch one of those and the game doesn't work and within the context of the game in the world that Hideo Kojima created all those things work and they all make sense and they are silly but they don't really actually feel silly uh you know it just it's it's just a great balance of of all those things and there's not a lot of games that that can claim to do that and obviously have some of the most iconic protagonists antagonists of any video game franchise ever created uh i think that um metal gear is just is just one of those franchises that forever will be among my top franchises of all time and uh and metal gear games as well and 
the future seems weird right now, but we'll see where this goes here. I have a prediction. I feel like years from now, I think we might see another Hidel Kojima Metal Gear game. It just feels too much. It's too close to his heart, and, and I feel like those last two games for me, I think he knows it. They just weren't what we wanted, you know? But let, let's just see what happens from that point out. But Metal Gear, man, I love it to death. It he ain't almost, making no damn Metal Gear, man. This, this I, dude said he wanted to make a game in space for people to play I games know. in space. But I, uh, he's, he's very much like... The, the problem with him is that we have access to him that we've never had before. Like, he's he's always has these ideas and these feelings after watching a movie that he can't get over. And all of a sudden, that's the thing he wants to do. Very rarely does he go through with that shit. But I feel like when it comes to it... As a as he's him being a creator, I think that he wants to go back to the thing that made him who he is to close out his career eventually. And I think that Konami will, will give him that. Will give him that. I, I really do believe that. I, but yeah, that's where yeah. I'm at with, with Metal Gear. All Love right. Metal Gear. Well, my number two, Pablo, is none other than Mass Effect. Um, Mass Effect, um, man, I, it's hard to get sci-fi right. And it's even harder to get sci-fi right in video game form because mm. sci-fi can come off corny as hell if you don't really, you know, put your fine-tooth comb over your writing and your world building, your universe building, um, and, and really make sure you're capturing all the details the right way. There was a lot working against Mass Effect um, despite... Bioware having a lot of success with, you know, Knights of the Old Republic. Mm -hmm. Even as much as I don't like Jade Empire, Jade Empire got reviewed really well. So they were kind of hitting their rhythm there, but still very hard to do, especially when you're committing to a trilogy that has choices that carry over into into the next game, into the next game. Like at the time, that was pretty mind blowing. And they figured out a way to pull all that off in some of the most memorable ways I can think of, man. Um, the characters are unforgettable. Um, you really bought into the species out there. You bought into the to the to the conflict with the human race, uh, trying to break through and be accepted by the um, the council and and you know where they fit into the pecking order and everything. And then you have this global threat with the you know global uh, I mean galactic threat with the reapers and everything. Um, and I, I bought into it hook, line, and sinker, man. It was just so epic all the time. And the there was the big bombast, and then there was the, the moments in the Normandy where you're just chopping it up with your squad mates in there and learning more about them and then doing their companion quests uh, to help them out and then uh, earn their loyalty. And the endings were good, man. Even with Mass Effect 3 and the controversy about the ending there, um, I still felt like that game was awesome. I thought the DLC is some of the best ever. We did a DLC episode not too long ago, and two of them were in there. Yeah. Um, Citadel and Leviathan, man, just just some really quality work there. It's it's a shame what Andromeda turned into, um, no doubt about it. But I it, one blemish juxtaposed with a trilogy like that, I couldn't hold it against it to to lower it too far. That's why I have it at my number two. Oh, um, that's a good number two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we get into number ones, Pablo, if you don't mind, since we covered a lot of ground, can you please quickly recap? 10 through 2, and then drop your number one for us, please. 
Yeah, number 10 was Super Smash Bros. Number 9, Deus Ex. Number 8, Mass Effect. Number 7, The Last of Us. Number 6, Dark Souls. Number 5, Mario Bros. Number 4, Fallout. Number 3, Red Dead. And number 2, Metal Gear, which brings us to my number 1. Borderlands and and Madden (laughs) NFL at the same time. It's uh, it's NBA 2K, to be (laughs) precise. The one with... uh, the one with Spike, uh, <laughs> with, with, uh, Spike Lee, Spike Lee, and no. the ghost of your friend who was your friend of me. Now, nah, man, it's the Legend of Zelda. If Mario was the first time that I fell in love with games, Zelda was the first time that I fell in love with characters and narrative within a video game. It changed the way many games are made with their open worlds, thanks to, to Ocarina of Time. Uh, you know, and and and. And Ocarina was, I think, the first game in the in the series that really strived to make a change within video games and how they were made. And then Majora's Mask tried to completely change the formula of Zelda games as we know it. Wind Waker subverted expectations that were later appreciated. Stories like the ones in Link's Awakening took giant swings. Uh, and we know what Breath of the Wild and what Tears of the Kingdom has done since then. Th- these are not just video games that are good, but these are video games that really... Uh, the developers challenged themselves into making something unique and amazing, uh, all within the context of the world of Hyrule. I man, these games are so they're so dope. Like, just look at all the iterations of these games. They all have something, uh, a hook or something to it that makes it super special. Uh, like a link between worlds. That whole. 2D platform, uh, 2D side-scrolling thing that you can get into. Like, it's just, it takes a lot of chances, and it always and it always hits. Even with, like, a game like Skyward Sword that wasn't really a game that people uh, love, even though they did love it at the time, you know, they were using the technology that was available to them to make the best of that. And it's true, when you look at the Wii and what that is, that game is the best on that, on, on, uh, when using all that technology, uh, when it comes to to to, to Skyward Sword, so the, it's just it's just a, a franchise that doesn't just strive again to just make a good game. It tries to revolutionize, at the very least, the franchise itself, and in turn, at times, sometimes even does it to video games as a whole. It's just it's an amazing time. All these games are still very very relevant even today. They hold up super well, uh, and I, I I love them. I think that they're the best video games to ever be created um period bar none that just for me uh and it's it's amazing and, and i will never not love zelda games and tears of the kingdom you know on the edge as to what this game was going to do was it going to be any good was it going to live up to the hype and it did it does and it's amazing and so i'm excited for the next iteration of zelda games uh, and i wonder what is up their sleeves but man the special special games uh when it comes to the legend of zelda before I get into my list, Pablo, now that we got, now that yours has been fully revealed, I have one. There's one. There's one franchise I was worried about. Like I didn't know if it was going to make your list. I'm sure you thought about it, but w- what about Bioshock? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think Bioshock One was very, very good. Um, it, okay. it it really was amazing. I think Bioshock Two. I think I, the Minerva's Den is is what I like about. Bioshock 2 I know that I think you're a fan of 2 oh yeah uh, I, I, I'm not really a huge fan of 2 and I think 3 I understand it for all its flaws I like it but I understand it that it is okay. it is a little up its own ass uh, and but it just I did think about it. it it did it was there like I had 4 or 5 franchises that being one of them that flirted with at 10 it's just for me okay. ultimately 
I don't think all those games come together and that none of them ever reach the, the highs of the first game. And when you think about game development, the second game to that franchise is always the better game because it took everything that they love about the first one that worked and they make it even better. Witcher 1 to Witcher 2 to Witcher 3, right? Yeah. Mass Effect 1 to Mass Effect 2 and to some extent 3. And all the games, Metal Gear 1 to 2 to 3, like they just get better and better and better. Sure, we have our favorites, but in terms of what a game is, it's always better with the sequel. Bioshock has the decline. It's like one is incredible, two is is is, is okay, three I understand it's not as good as this two or one. So I, I just couldn't for for those reasons alone I couldn't possibly put All it right. up there um, in my top ten. Uh, I just get sick of you talking about Bioshock. I'm like, and here it ain't even on your damn list. I, so I love I it. To... I mean, I, I love it. I, I, I I'm, <laughs> it's just, and I'm looking forward to the next iteration of that uh, clock uh, clockwork uh, revolution. Is it looks like it's picking up the mantle of uh, Infinite specifically. I'm excited for that, just based on Infinite itself. Even though it might not even be anything like it, but just the aesthetic. So yeah, but I love I love Bioshock. I just they're they're guilty pleasures like Bioshock mm-hmm. Infinite, and the, and there's like really good games like the Metal Gears and Legend of Zelda that gotcha. definitely deserve to be on this list. All right, all right, man. Well, uh, let me go ahead and recap my list and get to my number one. Number ten was Titanfall. Nine was The Witcher. Eight was Deus Ex. Seven was Persona. Six was Silent Hill. Five was Resident Evil. Four was Final Fantasy. Three was The Last of Us. Two was Mass Effect. And one is Metal Gear. Metal Um, Gear. Friend of the show, Will. He does a spot on Solid Snake impression. It's hysterical. This man gets it like to the T. He could be like a replacement voice actor for David Hayter if he wanted to. (laughs) It's crazy. He cracks me up. Uh, shout out to Will, man. Um, yeah, Metal Gear's number one. Metal Gear's number one. Um, you know, Metal Gear Solid's my favorite game of all time. Metal Gear Solid 2 is, I think, at the four spot for me. So Metal Gear is a big deal for me and my gaming lineage because um, the amount of depth and complexity to the storytelling, even to the game's detriment sometimes, where it gets just too whacked out and weird and off the wall. Um, but also the the ingenuity and the vision that Kojima had to uh, really push the envelope and try to come up with innovative ways to proceed through the game. You know, whether it was the psychomantis reading your memory card uh, mind trick, yeah. or the way that you could uh, you can finish the the sniper fight in in, in Snake Eater uh, by fast forwarding your in game clock on your PS2. Like there was. Or just waiting it out naturally if you want to do it the yeah. legit way. But uh, there was always something fascinating about the level of depth and detail and nuance to Metal Gear and um, the complexities of the story, the risks that were taken, um, you know, uh, were, were all um, ones that paid off and, and turned out great in the end. Uh, you know, but like I said in, in the past, you know, from four on, I felt like the series faltered. But even then, even with the, 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 the failings and the fumbles, Man, the glory days were the glory days. One, Metal Gear Solid's 1, 2, and 3 were just out of this world good. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to find a better trio of games that can stack up and beat the, those three right there. Um, just sensational work uh, from top to bottom. And really made stealth in the, in the tactical espionage action genre that, that Kojima kind of coined. It made it relevant. And I think it paved the way, uh, quite literally, for other stealth games in, in the industry to really have a place and to really be able to do what they tried to do. Um, so yeah, I think the industry also owes a lot 
from that particular standpoint as well, because I'm a big stealth game fan. Uh, Splinter Cell was one of those games uh, franchises knocking on my list for a little bit there that uh, was for similar the, reasons. I had a question for you. Now, that was the one. It was why. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Because it's just, you know, stealth games do that kind of thing. And it's, but it's because of the Metal Gears uh, that, that came out that, that really, you know, expanded my horizons. Because video games to me before Metal Gear was just shooty do shooty beat em up, you know, type of things. And this came out and it was like, no, your, your goal is to kind of like hide and hang around the corner there. And, right. it, and it felt like, oh man, this is like, this is the kind of 007 kind of thing I wanted in a way, <laughs> you know, but cooler. Um, is is yeah. there a reason why um, Bonanza Bros didn't make your top? <laughs> First of all, I didn't like how you just, not now you're just going back down memory lane. What are you going to bring up next? Paperboy? <laughs> <laughs> I got, <laughs> I don't know what you're doing to me, man. Uh, but you know, as far as the Marco Pablo experiences, like the yeah, games, yeah. We, maybe we'll do that as a list one day. Hey, that's the, a good the, the one. Marco yeah. Pablo top 10 of like the games that we grew up playing together that we, we put on a pecking order. That'd be a fun collaboration there. But, uh, Bonanza brothers would make that list, but I, come on now. Yeah. I got standards. Uh, <laughs> Dumbass question. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right. Uh, but yeah, no, that recaps uh, our, our top franchises of all time. A lot of them that were just as great didn't make the cut. Uh, but that was definitely a fun exercise to see what the best of the best was. And we encourage you listeners to kind of think about the same thing. Uh, what are your top 10 franchises of all time? Uh, and are, is Borderlands on your list and why? Um, but we digress. Uh, that is going to do it for this week's show. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, please subscribe to our show wherever you like to listen to podcasts. We'll be there. And follow us on IG and Twitter at It's Cooldown Time to keep us in your FOV. Uh, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Make me feel good.